Mentality Monsters I'm going to use the word with the Orange well Rugby done. Team Someone press that arm Take it off Liverpool <laughs> Let's take it off the Reds and let's attach it to the Orland Rugby Team OTB AM Live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app OTB AM with Gillette Labs Get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now Alright, you're very welcome along. It's Monday morning and it is a Grand Slam celebration Monday morning. If you want to get involved this morning, we'd love to hear from you. 87 180 is the WhatsApp number. You can leave a comment in the YouTube stream or, of course, you can tweet us at Off The Ball AM. Before we get our performance rankings are going to be exclusively uh, rugby. Before we do that, we should talk a little bit about uh, Gary Lineker's latest tweet. I don't know if you've all seen this. I don't know if everybody's seen Gary Lineker's been tweeting. Missed this. Watching Evan Ferguson... He said, oh, it looks like there's a real centre forward here. I'm like, yes, it does. I realised that it was the FA Cup against like the worst team left in the Cup. But his finishes were unbelievable. Like, not, no, we're not getting carried away. We're getting very <laughs> carried away. We are getting very carried away. The first finish like, was just, there was kind of no backswing and then it was right in the bottom corner. Then the second one is totally different. It's near post. Is there a goal this man can't score? Uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see if he gets named for the first game this weekend uh, this week uh, against Latvia and then obviously the France game is next week we will talk about that we'll talk about Mitrovic uh, and the red card and the the triple red situation uh, Fulham what were you doing it's right there for you not to bottle it but they did and so Man United are through to the FA Cup semi-final uh, and uh, they're going to Wembley Evan Ferguson going to Wembley to play Man United right Evan Ferguson versus Lissandro Martinez at Wembley oh. this is what we all want to see no I don't want to see that Lissandro Martinez be- no Lissandro Martinez is filth he's going to he, he's had a habit of taking the best player out on the opposition nearly got nearly did it in the penalty box <laughs> and just about got away with it the timing was ugh. yeah but Ferguson's a big lad too he can, well, he can handle himself well if Ferguson accidentally lands on him with his elbow I won't be sad in the first five <laughs> minutes anyway no that we don't we don't you know uh, it's only English rugby players who do that of course. we'll get into that 7.32 this morning here's what's coming up between now and 10 o'clock performance rankings we've got uh, Alison Miller at 5 past 8 James Tracy's going to join us in the studio at 25 past 8 we're talking to Martin Lipton about the situation at Spurs and Antonio Conte's rant which was it looked like a put me out of my misery rant or else it was a few home truths that the Spurs fans and the hierarchy really needed to hear it, you know I mean, he's obviously on the way out but did he say anything wrong did he? Sack me, please. Sack me. Anthony Boyd's going to join us at uh, quarter past nine. Difficult weekend for me to get football. Um, pretty good weekend for the Dubs. They appear to be back. And more besides, if you want to talk to us, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, as I said. Um, oh yeah, Paddy McCarthy is uh, not the front runner to manage uh, Crystal Palace, but he was certainly, he was one name that was um, slightly unexpected, I think, uh, has been given temporary charge and is, is um, doing okay. Kenny Cunningham was, was lobbying for him yesterday. You can hear that on the OTB Football Podcast feed. But at 7.33, let's get into it. It's time for the Gillette Labs Performance Rankings. You know, that wasn't an All-Ireland winning performance. Probably should have won the game based on the second half performance. Is it a step too far to say it was the performance so far of the World Cup? Maybe not. OTBAN's Performance Rankings with Gillette. I'm, I'm, I'm scratching my head. That performance is just lacked that intensity. We should say Alan Quillen's here. Alan, good morning to you. Morning, lads. How are you? Very good. good Cele- celebratory mood. We're uh, we're this is now becoming a bit of a habit. We're starting with the green, are we? I think we should start with green, shouldn't we? I mean, let's start in a bit of bit of positivity. It's all going to be positive. Let's be honest. But uh, Johnny Sexton. So we've got Lee Halfpenny Wales four two two. Stephen Jones four six seven. Owen Farrell five seventeen. Still could catch it. Johnny Wilkinson five four six and third. 
Ronan O'Gara 557 and a new target of 566. What a man. He, uh, he denied doing a jig uh, later on in the game after he kicked, I think, his last, his last points of the afternoon. Um, but it was a little bit of a jig. It was a little bit of a dance. He enjoyed himself out there and... Uh, he was, he was really feeling it. He was singing along with all the, the music played over the, the PA system in the Aviva after the match as well. He was, he was buzzing Johnny Sexton. No reaction when he broke the record, I think it's fair to say. Ireland being 6-0 down probably helped uh, matters there. He was concentrated on winning the match and winning the match only. But um, what a moment, what a man. Final ever Six Nations outing, outing for Johnny Sexton. And uh, what a servant he's been to Irish rugby and Irish sport, generally speaking. He was, uh, he was fantastic again at the weekend and... Uh, yeah, we we will wish him well, and as he leads us towards a World Cup victory later in the year, to sign off on a high. Yeah, Quinny. I mean, it's difficult to find anything new to say about uh, Sexton, but it's an all-time great of the game, an all-time great in Irish rugby, and uh, still managing to be not just relevant but vital at this stage of his career. It's an incredible achievement. It is at his age. Uh, the the effectiveness of 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 not just his leadership but his overall play. Um, the crossfield kick in the second half for um, was it Robbie Henshaw's try or Sheehan's try? Uh, it wasn't Henshaw's because we don't. Oh, maybe it was Henshaw's because the game's still in the melting pot at that, that stage. It's that a ten nine at the time, it? and um, just his overall physicality, and he was involved in a lot on Saturday in a, a really tough game for Ireland. But what a scrum with a choke tackle at one point! Yeah, he did, yeah, and. Um, Always at the bottom of rooks where you're like, maybe you should not be in there. Just you know, yeah, it's, like, ama- it's amazing, really. At 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 his age to be where he's at and it, a lot of it is down to obviously natural talent but you know to have that fight and desire and keep making those sacrifices and commitments he's a young family as well and um, to have that kind of burning desire given what happened at the World Cup a couple of years ago which was so disappointing for, for, for him personally and obviously on the Irish team um, it's amazing really what he's achieved and the longevity of it is uh, is 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 unbelievable. The system here allows the Johnny Sexton and the likes of Johnny Sexton to probably um, recuperate more and play less games and stuff like that. So it's a yeah, it's it's a situation. But you still, as a player, you've got to keep that that commitment and that drive and desire going all the time. And it's amazing; it hasn't waned in him. You know, the natural thing in sport is when you get to thirty-four, thirty-five, thirty-six, people are kind of um, buying into that narrative that um, you know you have to. That's the time to go, and you have to leave, and you're supposed to leave. Um, maybe he would have retired if Ireland had a really good World Cup, and he might have been gone a year or two ago. I don't know. I think he would have stayed to get to the Lions, but then obviously not making yeah, the Lions. Yeah, so those couple of moments like that, and and obviously that that's a big one, Jared. The Lions, um, that was a hammer blow yeah. for him personally. And ultimately that might be one of the things that's driving him continuously. You know, like Well, do you know, it's not even driving him continuously, I think, that whole... At the time, anyway, to, like, will I, I come back? I'll internally come back. it's driving him, yes, but I think... Um, the rest and recuperation that whole summer, that pre-season, um, would give you a, a, the whole body a reboost. And um, obviously, as I said, the way he's been managed here, but to be that committed at that age and to be, you know, uh, have that that kind of desire to keep going is, is amazing, really. And uh, he's done remarkably well. He's been a great leader. I think Jaco Piper uh, between Owen Farrell and, and Johnny Sexton, because they're pretty similar, aren't they? And their temperament and their fight and their kind of their makeup, 
Um, he had both telling the referee what to do. He had both of them coming at him on Saturday. Own foul was worse. Oh yeah, way, uh, way worse. He's feeling his head there, and he, uh, if he's feeling his head, is that because one of your lads clattered him in the head, and so that should have been a card? Yeah, but oh, it was, just it, was con- it was continuous the whole game. Um, Own foul was was a lot worse. I think you know they both they're both captains. They're both entitled to ask some questions, but uh, for a finish, it was just non-stop, non-stop. Do you see at the moment as well, like James Ryan, I think Sexton was kind of calling James Ryan over to lift the trophy with him and Ryan was like, no, lift it yourself. Like gave him his little, his moment to, to kind of be the captain. It was it was kind of Johnny Sexton's day, wasn't it? It was all about him in, in, in many regards. We were all waiting for that first opportunity at the post to, to kind of break the record. But the question now is where he ranks in, in terms of our greatest ever sporting heroes. And, and I think... Well, let's wait until the end. Well, exactly. We'll, we'll see what, he, what he's going to do. But uh, I, I don't know. Did he make the double amount Rushmore? There was a bit of controversy there. No, no. I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, no. It would be interesting to see people outside of rugby who would have a good balanced view what they would think of mm. of him as, as, you know, um, as a sports star, as, essentially, what they would, how they would view him. Um, I, I just think, to be fair, he's... he's you, you just have to put him right up there with what he's achieved and the way when, you, when you're captain of your country for a, a period like that and, and you get that success the standout for me and I don't, you, I don't want to take anything away from winning a Grand Slam the series win in New Zealand was just I keep going back to that it was just phenomenal the English team that won the World Cup in 03 they went and won a series there won on New Zealand soil as well in, in 2003 um, hopefully it's a good omen for, well, we, for we had, success later in the year But we had um, Matt Dawson on, on uh, Thursday or Friday last week and he was just like yeah you've got the there's the bang of our, our team off this crowd and now we haven't got into the game yet we'll get into that in a, in a few minutes time but um, uh, Sam Warburton <laughs> in his piece well, I saw Sam Warburton's piece on uh, Saturday or, uh, must have been Friday or Saturday I was like this is actually a little bit worrying Everybody's like shooing us through. But the rest of the world, with the exception of the French, and we'll get to the French in, in a while, um, they are concerned about how good we are at the moment, which is unusual. Um, yeah, I, wouldn't, I, I think they're very complimentary as well, Jer, because I've said this, when, you know, we, uh, Dave McIntyre and myself for Virgin, we did, um, we did round one, Ireland-Wales, or Wales-Ireland, and the last game. So RT did the other three in between the Irish games. So... Dave and myself were on our travels. We did Scotland, Wales, uh, England, Wales, and England, France. So obviously you're in Murrayfield, you're in Cardiff, and you're in Twickenham while Ireland are playing in the media rooms. Yeah. And you meet lots of other journalists who are very well-renowned journalists, rugby rugby writers, um, ex-internationals. And um, it was amazing how many of them came up chatting in general um, complimenting Ireland how good they are and it wasn't kind of being patronising I think it was sincere it was genuine and and that's on the back of the results really of going back to the series win um, in New Zealand um, November you know beating South Africa Australia Fiji not in great style to be honest I think the South African one was impressive but the thing we probably you have to say here is if, if, if Ireland are in France or if they're in South Africa playing them are they different results yeah um, I, and look and that's the, the fine margins between the top five or six I'd say you know that we're going to get to that don't worry we have a, we have a we're concerned about uh, what's going to our fixtures in the World Cup we start with Romania on the 9th of September then we've got Tonga 
the week later. Uh, that's in Bordeaux and Nantes. And then we moved to Stade de France for the rest of it. It's South Africa on the 23rd of September. So it's three matches in three weeks. And then there's a, a week off. And then we play Scotland in the last game, hopefully having um, known already what Scotland might have... Well, you know, what, what needs to happen, we will... We will so there's a know. gap of two weeks, isn't there, between South Africa and Scotland? Uh, yeah, yeah. There's a, an off week, yeah. Yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a longer period, which is um, yeah beneficial if you... Uh, after playing against South Africa, it'll be pretty physical. You need to rest some bodies. Physical. Okay, so look, in that first one in the green is, yeah. is Johnny Sexton. Had uh, to be, had to be. Uh, another man that deserves to be in the green, I think, is uh, is Andy Farrell. I mean, when you think what he's achieved with this Irish team, and we were all kind of, uh, I'm certainly speaking for myself, I was sad to see the end of the Josh Schmidt era. He, he achieved a lot with, with this Irish team as well, but uh, Andy Farrell has just taken them from strength to strength. And uh, even from a psychological point of view, everything that, that's been done behind the scenes with Gary Keegan and everyone else, um, they're just so impressive. What were they, fourth the first season, Andy Farrell? Took over in the Six Nations, fourth the following year as well, then second with a triple crown, and now, uh, just to cap it off with a Grand Slam uh, in a World Cup year, is just uh, something incredible. He's he's changed everything about this Irish setup. Um, I think in previous years, all these injuries would have led to bad results, uh, a bit of scepticism, poor performances, but uh, the Irish team just ro- rose to every single challenge that was laid out in front of them, and Andy Farrell has to take, I think you'll agree, lads, a lot of credit. Deserves to be in the green shirt. Immense amount of credit, I think, for what he, what he's done and probably how he's kind of, you know, got hold of this 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 group and and put his own stamp on it. Mm. I think the other coaches have obviously contributed immensely um, in their own individual way. Paul O'Connell, Mike Cass. Two years ago, I think, was a turning point for the attack for the team when Ireland played England in in this fixture two years ago I, you remember Keith Earls gets a try the ball is overthrown to Jack Conan he pops it back inside Keith Earls scores a great try in the corner Jack Conan scores another try in the second half I think they won 32-18 and that was that was the day where we saw that attack come alive a little bit Simon Easterby's done a really good job I think um, and John Fogarty so um they they can all take a, a huge amount of credit, and you mentioned Gary Keegan, Shane. Mm. I think the mental side of this is really important as well, and getting the balance right of not just managing a team for Andy Farrell, but managing all the coaches, um, getting their 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 scheduling right when they train, the time they train. Um, Jason Cow- Cowman, Cowan, sorry, the the fitness coach who's there for a number of years. He was there under Joe as well. Um, the players are very well conditioned. I think their speed of movement on the ground and, and their shape and their physicality and their ability to keep going and finish games strong has, has been very impressive as well. Um, and I think they're able to absorb a bit of pressure and they don't look panicky. They don't look like a team that the heads drop. Um, that, hap- that was evident in New Zealand. Um, after the first tests, it could have been very easily easy say, well, look, we just got to try and get through two, test two and three. They were unbelievably determined and confident that they could turn this around for the second test. They did that. And, and, and then the pressure of dealing with the inevitable. Well, we've won a test on New Zealand soil. We're going into test three in Wellington and, you know, we'll be competitive and we'll get beaten by a score or two and we'll still be heroes coming home. They didn't accept that and um, they attacked that game. That first half in Wellington in the third test for me was uh, 
the best Irish performance, the Irish half I'd ever seen. The three tries they scored, they were sensational. And it was 22-3 at half time to Ireland, away from home in New Zealand like that. So um, I think they can be better. I think in a sense that... This might be the bit where we talk about that because the, the first half against England was poor. There was handling errors, ball was on the ground, there was knock-ons, the scrum wasn't great. Um, and, you know, part of that is a function of the fact that uh, in rugby, if you're Steve Borthwick, it's not that difficult for you to have a spoiling game plan and improve the stuff, as you said on commentary. I think, you know, you can work on the line speed during the week. It's the easiest thing. You can work on the physicality. And they also picked a much bigger team, a more experienced team to play in Dublin than they'd had the previous week against France, where they were like, oh, let's just we'll throw the ball around and see what happens. And France cut them open. Um, Numerous times, yeah. Their defence was at shock, start. Yeah. shocking in, in, in Twickenham. So we should have expected England to be better, right? But also... Well, I, I did, and many people did. And I put a tweet out on Saturday because I, I kind of woke up Saturday going... You know, just be mindful going to the game. It was more for supporters that this isn't a bit of a jolly here. It doesn't work like this. Yeah, it'd be great if Ireland can win by twenty points, and you know the fields of Atten Rye are belting out with fifteen minutes to go. But it's it's unlikely that it's going to happen because if you're an English player, coach, manager, you're you're gathering the troops up after last week, and and you're probably having a, a big honesty. Uh, chat. Um, maybe it's player driven. The players sit down themselves. Sometimes that happens when teams lose, and they question each other's fight and desire. And um, you're always going to get a reaction of that energy, that aggression, that tempo. Um, and they did that. There are actually some really good players in that English team. I just think, and I think they're going to be dangerous. It's strange. Well, you might not all. agree when when you go to the World Cup, they'll be quite dangerous. But they brought a lot of fire, and I think Ireland uncharacteristically made some mistakes. So that that's the one kind of bit that I mean, Farrell. Um, it's funny. There was a conversation Farrell and Sexton had at the end when everybody else is like joyous celebration on the field, and the two lads are like chatting about some stuff. It looks like that might have gone wrong, or. They didn't seem... They weren't fully in the moment of celebration at that stage. They were still working so they, through some stuff. They they didn't cope as uh, with that line speed and that aggression and maybe the breakdown being a little bit messy, I think, early on in the game. There was a few turnovers. Post really easily. The ball was yeah. bounced out of a few rooks. Um, Why? Because I think England were good. Nerves. Uh, You've got to be nervous for... I don't know like if... I, th- I think... I don't know if it was nerves, but it can happen any team that maybe, you know, you realise. And I've I played in a, the Munster team that was, we were quite really consistent in our our performances for a period of time. And there is an odd time where you just kind of go, Jesus, what, why is this going a little bit awry? Yeah. Um, it's down to the opposition as well, because they raised their game. So... Of all the hype that was kind of but put on Ireland and the occasion, the party atmosphere. Fair, fair enough. They're they're it's a mixture, Ger. Basically, okay. what I'm saying because well, fr- Ireland being a little bit sloppy no, so by their that, own admission. That's the bit, right? And yeah. England. Um, so, is, but France, France, France would have brought the same pressure, if not better, and had better players and a more cohesive game plan. But still, when we were doing our when well, we were what's doing the our narrative moves, for France. Well, no, let me finish this point because when we were finished, when we were in in possession, we weren't throwing it behind lads, yeah. whereas we were in the first half and. Look, it's great that you come through that. But from our perspective, we were just a little bit off. That wasn't because of English pressure. I don't think like when when the pass is going behind three runners, it's like, 
everything is just a little bit I, I don't. I agree with you entirely I don't care what you say Jerry. it has an effect on you that whole atmosphere and that party mode and the occasion Grand Slam complacency and all weeks not even complacency I just think maybe a percent or two that this is going to kind of click into gear again and our the surge of the crowd and, and us being a very good team will and you see you're one or two passes away from making those scores and the game being a little bit different totally and then managing it better and the scoreline suddenly is 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 stretching yeah. stretched out a little bit yeah um look at the Johnny Sexton one where he takes the quick penalty we lost the line out up near the line as well there was there was a couple there that just but the big thing is they don't panic um the worry is if you want to look at it a little bit negatively is is that a template now again to maybe this is the only way you can stop this Ireland team now. Not the only way, but this is a way that if you get the, all this defensive stuff right and this aggressiveness and um, that maybe you, they will be unsettled. I think the other side is, of the coin is happening is going to happen here as Ireland will look at this and probably think um, we, we need to manage a bit more territory. Uh, there was a bit more space in the backfield and maybe they needed to put the ball up in the air a little bit at times but some of the times the ball broke down then was on, when they started to attack and you felt yeah, the Ireland are changing gears here and, and the balls just went loose in the ground I think it was 17 turnovers in the game which is pretty high Yeah, none of us are ever going to watch that game in great detail again because it was like <laughs> not very enjoyable but I, I, like, it'd be really interesting to see when they sit down this week and watch it again and again and again and again what are they seeing that they're going to take into the World Cup because no doubt South Africa are looking at that going at 10-9 they're not going to get a man sent off. You, you asked me what's different against France. France is a situation where everybody's nervous because we know France are so good. Yeah, and they're going to rip us and apart from If we don't get ex- everything right and, you know, the crowd are kind of really know they have to play their part and then it turns into a brilliant game. So it's hard to deal with all that expectation and, and pressure and I just think they were a little bit off Ireland, which hopefully they can look at look back and... and, and um, be better from but overall you know I, I was thinking about it afterwards it was hairy enough in that period in the second half but are we kind of gone a bit ahead of ourselves that we think we should just kind of wallop England here and uh, we're kind of dissecting no I, I don't think so I think that um, I, I think that like we we're, we're clearly a better team much further down the line than the coaching ticket from England who we're going to get to in a minute um, in their last 15 games they've lost two games one to New Zealand one to France so, and that's they've beaten why everyone the else there. Yeah, so, and that's why the hype is there and, and no matter what happens at the World Cup in this period of time right back to the last year's Six Nations they've been incredibly good consistently yeah consistently really really good they've had moments of course in a match which all sporting teams you, have you used the word panic there like my cat used that word last week in the press conference he said if England if or when England reach a point of ascendancy don't panic and, and they didn't panic and, and sometimes you're dragged down to the level of your opponent like England go down to 14 men all of a sudden the game is going to change but Ireland didn't Ireland were obviously the performance was going to be dictated by the way in which the game was headed, and once once England lose uh, a man, that that's okay. Changes we, the dictation dictation we, of the game. Here's the comments coming in. Danny Mac one says Grand Slam will live long in the memory as well as freed from desire on repeat. Jesus, <laughs> not a lot of love for uh, freed from desire. I don't know. Everyone's giving out about. I quite enjoyed it. Like exactly. Yeah. yeah, wind your neck in. Noel Kyle says any concern how nervous the team were and a lot of players didn't perform. Would we have won if England had fifteen? 
So England weren't going to have 15 for the whole game because their discipline was getting stressed and that's like the, one of the, the things Would you happens. believe the sending off did not help Ireland? Go on. Because I think that was part of it again that maybe it's going to happen and that the expectation now is that Ireland really kick on in yeah. the second half. It galvanised England. It's more which pressure. it can do as well. They still have 12, 13 guys in the front front field. Okay, you have to work that a little bit harder and there is there is a bit sp- bit of space and I think the crossfield kick from Johnny Sexton kind of proves that there was a bit of space in behind for... Um, it's it's Bundyaki's strike because the last try was Dan Sheehan, wasn't it? Um, that crossfield kick up and under was, was there was space there, but I think it galvanised England. That's that's a natural segue into the amber because the red card is the amber. But the point being, what was it a red card in your opinion? <clears throat> well, it was a red card because the referee gave it. Should, on the it, day. Have should it have been a red card? I felt and I still feel that. It's it's hard on Freddie Stewart. Mm. Um, if if you if you go through all the, the the protocols that the referee did, the one one place he got got it wrong, in my opinion, is he said there was no mitigation. Um, for me, the mitigation is Hugo Keenan is when he picks the ball and and the point of contact, he's he's bending forward. I think I know exactly what Freddie Stewart. He's trying to get out of there. And he does make contact with his with his elbow into into, into Hugo Keenan's face, which is clear cut contact to the head. Uh, it's not allowed. You're trying to protect the players in the game, all that. And Hugo Keenan goes off, and his game is over. Yeah. Um, so first and foremost, the play the safety of the player is is paramount here. Um, but we all know that it's there was no cynical act from, from Freddie Stewart it's no. accidental and if this happens to Ireland we'll be it's probably we will be pissed off about it but it's, it's a red card because that's what they're trying to yeah, do it is, it is a red card with the contact and all that but I think it's a harsh red card if that makes sense and yeah. I'm just trying to be fair and to be fair Ger I have always been pretty hard on these there's no one can accuse me of of saying that um I'm blasé about the head contact and all that stuff. I'm really, really constantly, and I can I know without looking back at things I've said before in different incidents. I know I've been hard on this, and I've been very, very strict. And I'm not um, saying that this is okay. That's that that it, it shouldn't have been a red. I'm just saying it's a harsh red. I think it's it could if it was a yellow for me. Would there be a huge debate about it? I don't think so. No. You look at the Antonio one on Rob Herring in France. For me, that's a clear-cut red. Yeah. And there was no debate. There was massive forethought in that one. It's like, oh, I'm going to line him up, bang. And, and there's serious impact in that. And I do think that Freddie Stewart is very unfortunate. It's a split-second thing because the ball goes loose in the ground. And, you know, there's a, there's, you can do a still shot of it. The point of contact, Hugo Keenan, who, by the way, for me, was outstanding throughout the championship um, and it was a pity that um, he had to go off but um, I think it was a very unfortunate one and, and a harsh To go back to the point you were making though the red card didn't really help Ireland in the immediate short term obviously over the course of the rest of the game it stresses England and, and tires them out a bit but uh, what did England do differently after that? Was it, were they just more conservative in their defence and so No they weren't because I just think that there was a little bit more space in the backfield Um so normally teams would hold three players back there. There was probably two, two and a half at times and the wingers floating up and down. And 
because of the collisions up front, Jared, the 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 ball isn't as quick. I don't think I don't think Ireland's breakdown was as good as we've seen them have it um, in the championship and in the past. So the ball is a little bit slower coming out of there uh, at times. And then um, the first point of contact, England were winning a fair few of those collisions, um, and that makes it a little bit different to go right to go forward. And then when they're putting this ball out the back, which continuously, no matter how many times, I, and I, it'd be interesting to ask all the teams that have played Ireland how much they've analysed Ireland and seen that this is, um, this is the way they play to get with. Why can't they? How stop do it? we stop it? Yeah, it's so hard to stop it because you nearly have to have a shooter coming out out of the line to get man and ball, because their accuracy and their timing of pass has been really good. So I think that was off as well. There was certainly a couple of times in that first half where one one more pass and it's possibly a try and England's wingers were coming in to shut off the ball and uh, they went loose at times. So um, that's probably the reason why Ireland weren't able to exploit it. But Ireland had 10 clean breaks and clean line breaks in this game. England had one. Mm. The six, but there's two sets of stats done here. Some um, Six Nations and I, I looked at ESPN Rugby as well both of those um, ESPN are saying one line break for England the Six Nations are saying none right um, but Ireland had so the defence was incredibly strong Ireland's defence across the, the, the game yeah well they, they missed then um, but don't break they missed 15 tackles I think three or four of them were when Anthony Watson started bouncing around the place and yeah. went through a few time, uh, one time there in the second half but very, Ireland's tackle count missed tackle count was much lower this, this time I think even in the other games they've been in the 20s um, in missed tackles against Italy and against Scotland which is ho- very high their discipline Ireland's discipline was outstanding OK we've kind of done England in red already so why don't we do hype train here Shane yeah we might as well well this is certainly one you wanted to talk about Ger, because are we going to get carried away now I think we should uh, why not it's a long way to the World Cup a lot can happen in, in the next uh, six months or so until the World Cup starts in France but why can't we go there and, and, and expect to win? We expected to win the Grand Slam well, and we've done you, it. Uh, go on, go on. Bring your negativity to the whole thing. Go on. Why can you not go and expect to win a World Cup where South Africa are lying in wait, where the French coach says we're exactly where we want to be, everybody's going to be scared of us. They're both on our side of the draw. Scotland, OK, we would expect to beat Scotland in France, uh, even on a, a neutral field. We would still expect to beat them. And so you're still looking at a quarter-final where there is going to be a damaged team who comes through the South Africa game and the Scotland game, and then it's France and New Zealand. And I'd prefer New Zealand at this stage because they'll be away from home. We'd have a majority in that crowd, you would expect, in a quarterfinal if we make it there. And I just don't think you can expect to beat New Zealand. You can be hopeful that, again, on a neutral field, uh, we'll be able to use the experience that we have against them but there's a, a lot to happen yeah, in New Zealand the team, the team have to expect to win the team can't go into the match yeah, but what, I, what I'm saying is that like, um, if we get beaten in a quarter final by New Zealand or France that doesn't mean that the team is suddenly uh, choked the way previous teams in World Cups have choked mm. we absolutely choked in Japan and uh, against uh, Argentina there's, there's mitigation in terms of the injuries and the suspensions that we suffered but at the same time um, you know, the, the expectation in sport is intriguing for me. So, in other words, a team expect to win, and we—it's a recent kind of a phenomenon, isn't it? In in 
I, I never really heard that much when I was playing. Not out of a player doing an interview in any sport, in GA, in soccer, and rugby, and um, an individual athlete. Um, Rory McIlroy going to play win an Open. I expect to go out this weekend and win. But we do hear it a lot now from sports people, and it's not being disrespectful or being cocky. It's really a mindset of we what we expect from ourselves. And then you break that back down and say, well, if our forwards perform, if our kicking game is good, if we defend well, there's lots of ifs that go with that. Mm. I met Keane Healy in 2018 after Ireland had beat New Zealand. Um, or was it 2000? And, yeah, was it November? It was the second or third time that Ireland beat New Zealand. Um, maybe it was 21. I don't know what year I have. <laughs> but I remember me, be, meeting him after Ireland beat New Zealand and I was... He was upstairs in the Aviva and we I met him along the corridor. He was going doing one of these post-match functions that some of the players have to do. And I ended up, I, I had to interview him and I ended up chatting to him just kind of before we went on in front of the crowd. And I said, well, how do you feel? And um, are you happy? And you, you just, you're not really elated. I was kind of alluding to. And he said, well, yeah, we, we expected to win. And I was like a little bit taken back. And then when I chatted to him more and kind of started putting some thought on that myself it wasn't actually being disrespectful because if you don't expect to win you have to find that expectation in the match if that makes sense so actually expecting to win and expecting to perform is actually a good thing it can ignite you and it can make you really stimulated and it doesn't you don't have to find that extra surge with 20 minutes to go and go Jesus, we're, we're, we might win this. Do you know, we, we might win this. Um, uh, and and it, sometimes that can create a desper- desperation if you're not expecting to win. Um, so it's getting that balance right of it not being cocky and being over-complacent. But I agree. With you. Like, Jerry, like, you don't expect to win every game in a World Cup, but like England lost 36-0 to South Africa in, in 2007 in the pool stages and still made the World Cup final. Yeah, but they were a shy England team. Yeah, like they played exactly. terrible rugby and, and that, like they, they scrummed and kicked their way to the final. So I, that's a bad role model. But you can, have, you can have a bad game in a World Cup and still go far, go deep. You can't in the quarters though. Is but the just, point. No, just of course, on, on, on the World Cup, the, a lot of teams will be a lot better and they'll get their timing right. And well, like I think South England... Africa are looking, like everything South Africa have, have, because of what they've done under their coaching ticket at the moment and it's been so controversial nothing has mattered for them after the Lions tour really except the next World Cup because they now have massive uh, strength and depth we're helping them by giving them access to our best players in every match they play at club level in terms of analysis and um, information like I I, I still would make South Africa the, the out and out uh, favourites alongside France they're 1A and 1B I think France are ahead I think France are ahead. Home soil is is there's it'll take a mammoth task to beat them in in any game in France. And one other thing, the the best team in the world, Malarkey, in a team sport like this, where it teams, doesn't matter, teams don't play each other. Mm. Like we we don't play each other in matches that really matter. I think the up best to team now, in the world is the are the world champions. But up to now, Jared, and then afterwards, Ireland have deserved the tag because of our of form is good. What we've seen the last our, fifteen or sixteen yeah, months. Our current form is good, but they don't give out a trophy for that. They give a trophy out at the end of the World Cup, and if like you're, the seven if you're not up cup, it, is this, Shane? Which? The seven up cup that we won <laughs> a few weeks ago. It's all about momentum, Quinny. It's momentum. Yeah. We've got plenty of momentum now, as Chair would know. But yes, yeah, South Africa, France will be incredibly strong. England, I, I think England are going to, they could be a real danger. They're on the side that is easier. 
Australia, Wales could even, you know, get a surge. Who knows? It's all about the timing. And if you get good prep over the summer and you get a little bit of luck with injury, um, if you get the timing right and the preparation right, I think it makes a big a big, um, a big, big difference at the World Cup. So the hype train, I would still be nervous and sceptical and and possibly our reality is a flip of a coin and if we get to a quarterfinal. Yeah. And, that, look, you, and then if we lose that, I, you know, I, I, I would day, take, I'd take a flip of the coin this time with this group being in form as opposed to what happened in 2019, which like a, it was such a shit show. Like that, every every single aspect of that thing fell apart. The whole year was. You talk about momentum, Shane. That whole year was one bad performance onto the next, onto the next. Finishing up in Cardiff with Wales, uh, you know, trouncing us twenty two seven. I don't even remember that. Um, in, to win a Grand Slam, oh. and then the World Cup warm ups. I was in Twickenham. England put fifty or sixty points yeah. on us. Ross Byrne um, didn't recover until like yeah three weeks ago. Uh, from an Ireland perspective. Brilliant performance against Scotland in the first game, if you remember. That was a great performance in the wet and rain of that second half. In, in Japan. In Tokyo, yeah. It, yeah, it turned out that Scotland team were so flaky. In retrospect, yes. they, were, they were terrible. Yeah, Japan was the... That was the one that was nobody really expected. Given 20 minutes into the game, Ireland were very, very dominant and yeah. had a couple of tries scored. Um, but it totally unravelled and it came back to and it affected everybody like even even Sexton in the game against uh, the All Blacks was missing uh, kicks to touch from penalties and you're like oh this is a disaster and sure that game was over at half time but I guess that's the point is that the, the, we should I think Shifty Lad was in touch saying we should celebrate this Grand Slam Bask in as, it. A, as a thing in itself yes yeah well given it's only our fourth ever of yeah. course and let's wait and see how we get on with the World Cup um, third of our lifetimes none of you are around in 1948 lads no OTBAM live with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back neon night edition available now that is this week's episode of the performance rankings OTBAM's performance rankings with Gillette right Braeburn Coffee is the official coffee partner of Off the Ball new Braeburn locations are popping up every month so visit applegreenstores.ie sorry applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn to find your nearest Braeburn coffee experience. That's applegreenstores.com forward slash Braeburn. Up next, Alison Miller and some of your uh, thoughts as well. First, here's Andy Farrell and Johnny Sexton reacting to Ireland's historic Grand Slam. For Captain Johnny here to, to, to finish his Six Nations uh, campaign, he's, he's been saying all week, this is what dreams are made of, like, you know? It doesn't come around that often, and it's unbelievably fitting that, in my opinion, uh, the best player ever to play for Ireland is able to sign off on a Grand Slam on St. Patrick's Day in front of his own crowd, and, you know, uh, just there's a lot of stars that have aligned over, over the course of the last eight weeks and come together, accumulated into this evening. Two last couple of Johnny, how important has Andy been? Since he's came in as head coach, he has to be very positive. <laughs> <laughs> I thought the time of the question. Was uh, since day one, he's, he's put his own stamp on it. Um, I think the, the best thing about him is he hasn't changed one bit from going from assistant to head coach. Uh, still, still very popular, even with the lads he doesn't pick. Um, you know, we've been able to. I haven't put this experience back after I let myself down when I got taken off against France. Uh, that was probably a low point, um, real low point. 
and uh, you are for me, uh, for me. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and this is a high point, but I hope it's not the highest point. Uh, we're a very special coach, like, you know, we have him, Paul O'Connell, and Simon Easterby, Caddy, John Fogarty, motivating during the week. Like it's, uh, it's a pretty special dressing room to be part of, so all credit to, to him really for putting it together. Um, and uh, yeah, roll on, roll on the World Cup, that's what we need to, to focus on now. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. It's 11 minutes past 8. Uh, we've massive numbers listening to us on OTB Sports Radio and watching on YouTube as well. YouTube.com forward slash off the wall. If you want to leave a comment on the YouTube stream, by the way, you just need to hit subscribe and then you'll be allowed to do that. Alison Miller joins us now to give us her response to uh, the Grand Slam. Alison, a nervy enough game in the end. It was, um, it was not the cakewalk or the procession that many people have been predicting, but ultimately they got the job done. Yeah, and I think like this Ireland team have shown um, whatever happens, they find a way and it was nervy and it didn't go um, the way we'd hoped in terms of how they were playing, but um, they ultimately pulled away and... I think when they look back in years to come, they you know they won't care about how they played. It's just the result. But uh, yeah, a magnificent day for that team. I hadn't actually heard the clip that we played just there of um, Sexton and Farrell at the press conference, where in his like one of his greatest ever moments, so officially crowned top point scorer for now in the Six Nations, uh, he's like looking back on a low point when he let himself down when he was getting subbed off against France. And you're like, I mean, it's very impressive to be at your highest and go, I remember the bad times. And so that's why I enjoy this. And also that's part of that journey that he's been on as a captain to get to this point where he can lead that team through what they had to be led through at the weekend. Yeah, I think it's probably the sign of an ultimate competitor that even though they've just (laughs) achieved what everyone else would like to achieve, they still think of those small little things annoy them still, you know. Um, So that's what's driving him on all the time. And he wants to be... um, Wants to be the best, but um, like, unbelievable. Like when you think he's thirty-seven, and any any athlete that you know gets into their thirties will tell you about how you how you don't recover as quick, and he's still able to go out and perform at that level at his age and perform so well. Like it's it's really amazing, and he is the ultimate competitor. Like he's such a ferocious um, mindset. He when he was coming off the pitch, I think he was um, saying how long was the injury going to take him and what he's done and all the things he's done and he's led this team to this grand slam success and hopefully further success so yeah like unbelievable really yeah it does look like Ross Byrne might get a a bit of extra game time in the big games for Leinster over the next few um, short period of time we don't know exactly how bad the groin injury is but I think um, Roy O'Connor was asking him how it is and he's like it doesn't feel great at the moment so obviously we'll wait and see what the scans are there but you know that game against Ulster at the Aviva is coming up soon I've no doubt it'll be a sellout I've no doubt it'll be a massive celebration of Irish rugby too Um, just in terms of uh, players who are irreplaceable at the start of this we would have had five or six who were like oh if Tyke Furlong is gone we're going to be in trouble and then that didn't prove to be the case at all if Sexton misses any game time at any point and suddenly Ross Byrne feels like um, he's a more than adequate replacement there are two now who you'd be focused on and I just wanted to get your opinion on if, if Keenan misses significant game time or if Josh van der Fleer was to miss significant game time Alison would they be the only concerns that we'd have in terms of being kind of irreplaceable at this point? Uh, that's a kind of difficult question I think um Jimmy O'Brien came on 
he's obviously not at the level that Hugo Keane is at yet. But I thought he did well. And I think what he's shown when he's played for Ireland, he's done well. And I think um, given enough game time and exposure, I, I think he could do really do a job at 15. Obviously, Hugo Keenan is nailed on. And it was only really when I watched the game back the second time and just saw, you know, his influence, his line breaks, um, his work rate in the backfield, you know, he he works so hard that he lets his wingers or you know they're able to defend high and he just such work rate and to get to everything and he's just when I suppose when he's gone you notice him's gone but I think you know there's guys there I would probably look at Jimmy O'Brien coming in there to do a good job and um, Van der Flair like yeah he's obviously you know world player of the year and I think yeah, I think he stated in a press conference recently that he's finding that he's less room and that's always going to happen when you when you become like that, you're going to become a marked man and hopefully it, it kind of uh, puts space for other people then. But um, I thought Conan did really well when he came on the other day. I think it's the best I've seen Conan in a while. So, like they are. Like, you don't want to be losing those two players, but I think there's very good back row options there to do a job. Um, I think what's, I suppose, not sure what the word I'm looking for, but um, this Ireland team have shown that they have got depth and they've got resilience and any bit of adversity that they can slot in and other guys can do a job. And we, we, we thought that about Tyke Furlong as well. And then Finley Beelham came in and did an unbelievable job. So well that, you you, you you know, you'd nearly be wondering who you should start. Like, obviously, Tyke Furlong is world-class, but sometimes you get an injury like that and it gives someone else an opportunity to get in there. And that's often the hardest thing is to try and get in there. But once you're in, then you get your opportunity. So... Yeah, like you don't want to lose them, but I think I think we would be okay, unlike other years, to for lads to come in and fill that void and to perform. Yeah, um, and I want to uh, Van der Fleer, as we say, World Player of the Year. So obviously, you're not going to just slot somebody in who's also going to be as good as World Player of the Year. But um, who is our? What's our seven depth chart at this stage? <clears throat> That's a good question. Um, I think right across the board, I think the level that these players have been at and how consistent they've consistently good they've been I think that's uh, something that needs to be kind of watched and, and their load and stuff needs to be managed a little bit particularly in the build up to this um, the emotional highs of all these big wins I think uh, who's in the depth chart after that well if you look at the if you look at the back rows who were picked it was Ryan Baird Jack Conan Gavin Coombs Caelan Doris Peter O'Mahony and Keen Prendergast they were the six that were picked in the back row, um, and Josh van der Fleer, sorry, was seven. Um, but Peter Marty flied over to seven, he's done that before. Yeah, in his I think then, uh, you know, he's Scott sick. Penny got called in, didn't he, for, for um, uh, into the, into the, the, the training squad, yeah. Training squad. Uh, John Hodnett has been brilliant for Munster. Uh, Will Connors, obviously injured and has had a really tough season. Um, he's a very, very good player as well. Of course, O'Mahony can go over there, but. I would be of the opinion that, um, you know, if Josh van der Fleer doesn't play, um, uh, Nick Timoney as well, he was in, in, in New Zealand and also played in that game in November. There's a number of players there, of course, who could slot in there. But when you have a player so consistently good at one stage in the midfield scrum in the second half on, on Saturday, um, van der Fleer is just hounding and harassing England attackers as the ball has been passed to the wing. He's so quick, he's speed of movement. Yeah. Um, 
But yeah, maybe it is an area that um, we need to find under seven that that can really just slot straight in there. But um, Alison makes a great point about Finlay Beelham. Like, what a find he's been. Um, he he the, he the full neck brace or neck yeah. brace leg, leg brace, brace on. yeah yeah so yeah. I don't know I, it was a knee injury it's a knee injury it was medial ligaments I think okay it's, it's not one that's going it's, it's not, not crucial ACL, no then. no okay. so I don't think so anyway with respect him but and that'll be the key for Andy Farrell in these next few months um, can they find one or two more guys who can drive into this bench or maybe even get a chance at the at, at a starting berth um, yeah. You know, a lot of people were talking about Gavin Coombs a few weeks ago, how unlucky he was, and 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 very unlucky, and actually brilliant that he is playing so consistently good now. When he's gone back to play a few of those monster games, but Jack Conan kind of reminded everyone at the level he's at, which is which is good. So that's a perfect scenario for Andy Farrell over yeah. the summer that he has players chomping at the bit, they're ripping into each other in training. Well, that's that is it, isn't it, Alison? That like the, there's kind of the other side of them getting through the game and it being a bit nervy is that they now have that confidence boost. But everybody is desperate to make sure that they're in the extended pre World Cup training squad. And then when you get there, you're trying to steal each other's throats to make sure that you're going to be on the plane to France. So. Um, that depth will will produce some incredible performances from players at club level first and then in those training sessions. Yeah, 100%. And there's obviously no complacency going to set in. And Yeah, you know, you might see someone that we're not expecting. We don't know what the performances um, that they're going to have to do to try and get into that squad. And it's going to, as you said, produce massive competition. And that's only going to be a good thing for for, um, Andy Farland's coaches to be looking at these players, who's in form, who's coming in then, who'll be coming into camps. And uh, yeah, it's a a really, really good thing. And I think it will show, I suppose, the mentality of those guys to, to get themselves, if there's someone there that's not in the frame at the moment and they're good enough, their mentality to get in that frame and, and get in there and get into the squad and um because once you get in there it's going to be hugely competitive and I think I think we truly have depth now. I think we've talked about depth, but um I think it's the depth there, but more importantly I think there's the the mindset and I think the last World Cup um they did talk about I suppose the sports psychology point of it that they weren't um, mentally, I suppose, tough enough. And I think this team now, where I love the way Andy Farrell approaches it, like you know, the, they they know that perfection is not possible in sport. That mistakes are going to happen. It's the only thing you can really guarantee. Things are going to happen. And I think, hopefully, I think they're going to be much more able for the demands of a World Cup, the pressure. You know, all the things that go with it, you know, recovery between games, injuries. And I think the way they approach the game where, you know, Vanderfeer was thrown in, Keane Healy went into hooker, things like that could happen in a World Cup. But I think they're really, they're resolved now and, and their, what would you call it, their mental resilience is in a really good place, coupled then with depth. I think is re- is going to be really really important. Yeah, and a lot of competition um, at training sessions at Leinster and Munster for somebody to put their hand up. D- and does he does he need to do a Brian Cody job on it? Drop somebody. So they've won the All Ireland now, essentially. And two lads off you go. Thanks guys, very much. Maybe. Yeah. There might be two changes. There might be someone in the back three. Um, there might be you know Ryan Baird now might keep Tyburn out. Who knows? You know what I mean? Mm. And you can imagine a Tyburn coming off the bench and Joe McCarthy coming back and. Ian Henderson thinking I'm not even in the 23 now but yeah. I'm in the squad so you know, Ryan Baird has really kind of 
He's a big winner here, I think, big time. Well, because of the, the flexibility that he can play second row and back row, that gets him on the plane no matter what, right? Uh, but then trying to shoot from that into the team, that's the hard part, isn't it? It is, yeah. But He's got to decide to be one or the other. He doesn't have to decide, I no? think, because sure, Tyburn can play in the back row as well, so he can do that same role. But Tyburn has become a second row. Like, there's no, there's yeah, but if you, if you had, if, if Munster have John Klein and RG Snyman available, and that that could happen. They okay, might right. nudge him into the back row. You know what I mean? He can play in the back row, no problem. He was uh, such a good footballer. Same as Ryan Baird. I don't think you need to kind of pigeonhole one of them. And say they're they're one of the other. Ryan Baird was outstanding the other day and physically making lots of tackles as well, which was brilliant. He's 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 so quick around the field. But that's the thing for me now. Does will Andy Farrell be kind of? Um, does he stay loyal to all these guys? And he, you know, there's no matches per se. Obviously, there's a World Cup warm-ups. There's a couple of those in August. <coughs> um, by and large, I think obviously someone will have to do something special in that period of time, yeah. or even over the summer in training to kind of go. I just fancy something about this guy. He can do something different, or he can bring some. The thing about Coombs for me and Ryan Baird is there's there's a certain X factor there that other people can't do. With Ryan Baird, it's just footwork, it's pace. You put him away in a wing or he gets his hands through and someone offloads and he he runs onto it. He's potentially going one-on-one one with a full-back and, and sidestepping him and going past him. Yeah. That's what he can do. Gavin Coombs, it's that exceptional power. Well, maybe you bring them and they play those games that you're... Yeah. I, I, you know, you can't afford but, to have... But that's probably the intrigue now that maybe, you know, it'll be right. interesting to see. But look, he's got most, uh, nearly everything right in the last two years, Andy Farrell. So Alison, last certainly one not telling him what to do. Last one for you on this. Um, Jack Crowley was the, the water boy at the, the H2O uh, bib on. Um, are they ringing, are they ringing Munster, do you think, and saying, here, put him in every minute of every game that he can, that like was, is within our player management numbers, but he's your number 10 for the rest of the season? Ah, uh, I'm not sure. Um, possibly. Um, obviously, you know, he's he's shown his potential. He's young. He hasn't had a huge game time. Um, Alan probably know more than me from being involved at that level. Um, well, what do you think, Alan? What are would they be doing that or? Um, I th- I th- I think they. You can write Joey Carberry off and go, well, send Jack Crowley back to Munster now, start him at 10 and Joey mm. goes to full back and uh, thanks for the memories, Joey. Because I think Joey Carberry, <laughs> he's just too good a player to write him off. Um, mm. If something happened, Johnny Sexton, there's a little bit of panic and a shuffle here going, you know, where do we go now? Um, if Joey Carberry finds that bit of zip and that bit of... Um, ability that we know he has consistently, and I think he still will be a big have a big part of this World Cup. Uh, certainly in the say in the wider training group. Um, so I don't think they'll do that. Okay, uh, but I do think when I'm talking about the X Factor players and the players who can bring something really kind of special or maybe add to this group, I still think Crowley is is someone that you know. And Ross Bourne has been brilliant and it's he's deserved to be back in Somebody the mix. Somebody somewhere is going to be upset when they're... They are, yeah. And what I'm saying is now there's 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 Crowley, there's um, Ross Bourne, there's Crowley. We didn't see him in the Six Nations, which was a pity mm. um, the way we would have wanted to. Kept him involved. That was interesting, yeah, I thought. Yeah. yeah, and he'll have learned right. a lot. 
alright we've got to leave it there for now Alison good stuff thanks a million for joining us Alan thank you very much as well uh, alright this is OTBAM it's 26 minutes past 8 up next we've got James Tracy in studio first here's some more Johnny Sexton and Andy Farrell goodness Johnny so just when you converted the third try you did a little dance can you just describe your moments at that particular moment it's embarrassing that wasn't it <laughs> <laughs> I was cringing <laughs> uh, was there any concern when Jamie George went over <laughs> I'm not a dancer, I can confirm that. Nice. I knew it was like 13 points. I knew it was a, a big kick to, to, you know, to go three scores clear with thing, and, and that's why you do all the practice that you do. And, uh, so I was absolutely delighted. Um, so yeah, I didn't do that. Was there any really concern? When Jeremy George then went over with a couple of minutes on your part at that stage about the game. Well, I was lying on my back, sure. uh, so I was. Uh, I, I knew the lads would, would, would bring it home. You know, we, we have enough experience in this team now to, to go through some you know tough moments to, to take lead in the team, and, and James would have given guided the troops down uh, and uh, given the right messages. I'm sure, but uh, the lads fought out well, and obviously going and getting another try was fantastic. How is it? Good? I don't know, it uh, doesn't feel great at the moment. Um, I suppose I deserve it for trying to get involved in them all. Um, it's not, not where it should be. Uh, but I, I thought that I'd be able to hold it up a little bit and it just came down and uh, it doesn't feel too good at the moment. That's uh, Sexton and Farrell. That's uh, Sexton talking about uh, the injury not feeling too good at the moment. Uh, James Tracy is with us in studio. James, good morning to you. How are you? Thanks for having me back. Um, what did you make of the whole thing? What was your immediate kind of... How did you feel at the end of that? Uh, just delighted for the lads. Like, it's it's not an easy thing to do. Um, like, four times ever and, and getting the opportunity. I actually think there's more pressure having it at home because there's so many distractions. Uh, Dan Levy touched on it um, when he's in the late late about... You know the the last one, they were kind of in a hotel, um, kind of in the suburbs, and it was quiet. And you know, you're, you're you can kind of calm yourself into feeling just another game. But when you're in the middle of of it's an amazing, obviously it's it's incredible that you know you're in the, you're in the middle of town, buzzing, you've yeah. family, but you know you've, you've tickets and you've you just loads of distractions. You're totally accessible to everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so fair play to them for for dealing with that. It's um, a good point actually, and I haven't heard it mentioned yet. But there, I saw f- photographs of the team bus outside the Shelburne, and there's loads of people at it. Yeah. And like <laughs> I, you know, it would be easy for that to be like. Oh, we're just going to going to pick up the trophy. Yeah, it's yeah. a nice little jaunt for us today, and then Manitou Laggy smacked you in the face. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you know, it's it's an emotional dump, and and you know, I don't want to say it, it's an incredible thing to have that, but it's definitely uh, a distraction from you know keeping the main thing, the main thing, and uh, fair play to them. It was a real kind of cup final feel to it. Um, you know, I think. They probably didn't get into their flow, but when it mattered, the big moments, they won all of those big moments. So, sorry, so, just going to say, does that explain the early nerves then? Or well, what would you refer to as nerves? Like Sexton had a wayward pass and Hugo Keenan has the terrible kick to touch early on. Like, does that does that explain little things like that early on in the game? Uh, I think so, yeah. They just didn't get into their flow. Uh, you know, you need a bit of continuity. You need, like, and you know, a few things to go well early and... Uh, the one thing I'd say they did exceptional is after each mistake like that, you know, uh, 
they followed it up with a really big win. So, you know, the Hugo kicked touch where that came from like a, yeah, as I said, wayward pass. So he salvages that. He's, he's turning the wrong way and he's a guy coming his right side. So he's, he's set up either for to be blocked down. Um, now he definitely hooks it more than he probably would have <laughs> liked. Nearly goes backwards. But he was set up for him to, to hit it wrong. But, you know, they, they get a huge penalty off of that. You know, um, P takes a really good ball going forward in the line out and they get a huge penalty. Um, and then, you know, England come back in and you have like big line out moments and big defensive moments. I think Peter Manny, Johnny with huge hits. I think James Lowe's defence was incredible. You know, I think we've talked about his attack. Um, over the years and, and maybe he's had a bit to work on with his defence which he said himself in the media but his defensive display was incredible he, he had so many like, yeah, huge, huge all moments kept giving me crap for my D was the <laughs> immortal line after one of the press conferences or yeah. after one of the games but um, yeah actually I'd forgotten about that but he's like absolutely giving it loads and the hair is out at one yeah. stage after he's bundled somebody into touch um, James Ryan's leadership is also kind of you know it, before uh, Sexton goes off and everyone's like oh what's going to happen now and now it's kind of seamless which isn't an overnight thing either that's been a long process for him to get to the point where he's fully comfortable with that Yeah so the, in fairness that like they've invested uh, well they've, they've seen the talent that he was like you know he's played for Ireland before he played for Leinster you know he was he's, he was earmarked early doors um, but he's really come into his own and I think uh, it's it's the little things he does that makes him exceptional. So um, there was a huge, huge turning point in the game when um, Peter Manny goes off for Jack Conan. I thought Peter had an exceptional game. Um, he cleaned up a lot of yeah, stuff that could almost went wrong, you know, where the throw might have been a little bit too high. He, sa- he salvages that. Um, there was kind of scrappy ball off the line out again it could easily be knocked on he salvages that he's, he's incredible that just been kind of the glue for that team as well as coming up with huge defensive moments um, but Jack Conan comes into the game and uh, that first mall he manages to, to get through See, his, his first moment is that line out gets through dislodges the ball England are in a serious attacking position um, Jameson Gibson Park then clears the ball and all of a sudden uh, you know we're we're now in the English half. It's a, it's a scrum to them because low low knocks it on. Um, we give away a penalty, which is I wouldn't necessarily say I agree with it, but yeah, we give away a penalty at the scrum, so we're back under the cosh, and and that's when you need your leader. Um, and James Ryan line air pressure. They kind of fumble it forward into the five. He gets back. He's the one who makes the tackle on Genge and chops him and gives the opportunity for Baird to make that poach. And if you remember, like that was a huge moment in the game. Yeah. And that's what that was. Yeah. His head's dropped immediately. Exactly. So then we kick it up the field. Now it comes. You know, we're talking about how, how Ireland have matured there, and then Sexton's intellect, mid-game intellect. So. We uh, we do a maul to try suck them in when they're down a man. If you're thinking, uh, but like this play doesn't work unless you actually get the the maul moving forward. So you can see their uh, their the, the level of detail as well. You know, you win it at the front because you want to slightly creep to the five, so the nine can come up because it's a five plus one lineout. So now the nine can come in when it creeps to, to the five and go forward. They get sucked in because it's it's right on the edge, and then they're down a man. Sexton crossfield kick, Hansen, um, I think it was Robbie and um, Jimmy O'Brien 
uh, hit them over the line and that, that was all she wrote then we got the scrum and, and that's what when they came back Bundy gives it to Robbie and, and, and that's the game but all of those little wins all the way from that line out of Jack Conan getting through to just moment after moment after moment you had people kind of stepping up and, and executing and so when you're the opposition and like you've had a, a relieving penalty in the middle of it that you think is kind of okay we've weathered the storm but actually it just comes straight back at you yeah. that's the bit where it's a wave of of excellence from Ireland where the, the you're, you, you, if you're the opposition and you're constantly losing tiny little battles it's death by a thousand cuts is that what that feels like? Yeah, and, and and that's the momentum thing. If you could bottle up momentum, you'd be you'd be a wealthy person. It's hard, like it's an intangible thing. But uh, it, it, we touched on the start of the game of the little errors or whatever, and not getting into the flow. So when you do get into the flow, the momentum just starts to everything just starts to work. Um, and and I think uh, all those win- little moments of wins they just either swing the momentum for you or if you lose them they swing them against you and, and you're just kind of trying to weather that storm until you can get it back to, to go back to Shane's point about the first half and that not being there for them um, in a way we shouldn't be as worried I, I was a little bit worried about the game afterwards you're like oh, yeah. this is, you know, is, is this how we're going to play from now on will it, will it always be nervy like this or is that because so much is on the line and like I know they're saying that they haven't been talking about the Grand Slam, but they have. Like clearly, they were like, "This is we've got a, uh, we've got uh, England and France at home. We're the best team in the world. Of course, we're looking for the Grand Slam." So all the pressure is there, building nonstop, and and they've got their ways of dealing with it. But it, like, do we need to take this game in isolation, completely separately from when we play South Africa? It's going to be a completely different occasion, and and it, it, all the pressure won't be the same as it was in this one game where we were at home, as you say. Um, is there a lesson to be learned from that and that second half is more who we are as opposed to that first half? Definitely. I think there's loads of lessons. I wouldn't be worried about it. I think winning ugly is is better than losing pretty in terms of, uh, you know, you look at like likes of Scotland. I think Scotland are probably the the best first half side or best 20, first 20 minute side in the world but um, they seem to, to fade away and like they can play all this amazing stuff but um, we've we've had their number for a long time. Um, this Ireland team, I think, I touched on it earlier, where they weren't in their flow, and sometimes that just happens. You have like a game where it just doesn't go for you. England did a really good job of of um, of folding around the the rock to 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 start negate Ireland's attack and put pressure on them. And, and I think we were just a little bit off with the the accuracy of passes and and. Uh, the thing that we can take so much joy out of is how we dealt with that adversity. Again, like obviously Scotland's was a lot clearer because he had Josh thrown into the line out and Keeney in the middle. But like there was so many moments where we could have put our head down and England would have scored. And you're talking about momentum open, like the floodgates open, and then that's a lot harder to deal with than just winning the next moment. Okay, we've messed up there. That hasn't gone right. What are we going to do next? And I think they're exceptional, whether it be Ryan. Omani, Sexton, um, James Lowe. It was just even James Gibson Park was coming in with with big shots. Uh, they, they weathered the storm so well. I feel like like we've barely this morning mentioned Dan Sheehan's name at all. Like what a performance he had! Like how not bad, not <laughs> decent. And we weren't even sure last week if he was going to get to play James. But like how impressed were you with like you even look at the the age profile? I think I think Dan is twenty four. So next World Cup cycle he'll be twenty eight. Like there's there's a lot of players in this Irish setup that are. 
of a similar age profile, which is fantastic. But Dan's performance was just impeccable. Um, yeah, incredible. And what an asset to have um, for, for line-out attack plays and, and just general attack. Um, as oh, Listen, don't get me wrong. He's he's a freak at everything, but uh, he's so fast and strong. Like it's it's he's the pace of a winger, but he's like you know a giant hooker. Um, and you look at his try. Um, I'm definitely not taking that to the house if I go through. But he's got that pace and, and dynamism to make it look like no one got near him. You know that gap's actually only open for a millisecond. Versus, um, but but it's interesting how they they've. They've attacked that a few times against England. You know the the seam of the line out uh, at the back. England clearly don't uh, put as much attention on that. They're obviously focusing on line speed and stopping them all first. Um, I think it's Genge at the back hits it way too early, and then you have the detail of uh, Gibson Park and Low dummying down the blind side to hold the fold, and you're leaving the tail gunner on his own. And Ireland did a really good job of executing to, to spot that and giving Sheen the chance. When do they spot it? Do they spot it? As video. They you'd you'd, you'd an- analyze that because if you think back to Earls's try. Uh, the last time we beat them in the Aviva when Jack Conan catches it and hits it back inside oh yeah that's the same issue for England where it's the back the tail gunner and, and the next guy so it's usually a prop their relationship and understanding of, of the, the, the call it the seam between the line out and the backs and the effect that hitting them all early or standing too tight or can have on the, the phase play you can see that in the video and you see people's habits um, and you can come up with plays that. Because that... I was wondering if it's actually in the game itself. They're deciding this is what we're going to do off this particular lineout because we can see that they've they're wandering a bit slowly or they're a little bit lazy or their animation is wrong. Is it or is that kind of preordained? When we're taking the penalty, we're going to do this because we know let's 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 run that because we've worked on it. Yeah, you'd run it because you'd worked on it, and, and you'd have like a you've you've a playbook of plays, um, but you, you sit down and you you see okay, this is every defense uh, system has a flaw. So like you know it has a strength and then it has a flaw. So it's figuring out a few plays, but like when Josh comes around there. Everyone else has done their job. The the wing and nine have run run down the blind to to, to hold the blindside defence. Uh, Josh does a really good job of getting outside the, the tail gunner to open that space up for Sheen. But if the you know if Genge doesn't hit it, then there's another option as well. You know, it's not that's option A. Maybe yeah. it might not even be option A. It might be option B. But it was on. You'll have like a couple of options that'll work, um, or it'll just get you a good go forward and you you, you get into your flow. Okay. Um, talk to us a bit about the scrum because it, it looked a bit messy in the first half and again we don't have a clue what's causing this like is it the referee being a bit slow to get everybody in is it actually that they had slight superiority for a while what was your instinct about watching that I was very frustrated to be honest so um, I find like if if you listen to the audio in the in the first scrum um, Yako talks to, to Porter about staying square and keeping his bind up and it's just like the bias is already in his head of like, you know, if, if I'm scrumming against someone and the refs just said that to them before the first scrum, I'm like, okay, so I now have two options. I can collapse it and he's going to be like, you didn't keep your elbow up. Or I can go in and the ref's going to be like, the other fella's driving in. You know, and the fact it's your own ball as well, that ups your chances of getting the penalty even more. So that sort of chat, in my opinion, needs to happen in, in the changing room before because you, you chat to the ref before the game, uh, the front rows. And it should be left there. I feel like saying it out loud there, it's just like, it always seems to lead to a biased decision. I thought Ireland 
uh, smashed him in that first scrum and I was even though we gave away the penalty I was delighted because okay. I, I thought that's where they were going to try to come for us and it really set a statement of intent from Ireland in that first scrum so sometimes giving away okay. a penalty as long as you're dominant because the English they're all patting each other in the back but they know that you know they were hammered in that first scrum and, and like even though you're kind of like, yeah, you have that feeling of, okay, this isn't fake. Yeah, this isn't going to be as good a day as maybe we thought. Uh, that's really interesting. If you if you are a porter in that situation and you feel like, uh oh, we're going to be refereed specifically, and he didn't say it to everybody, what do you do? Do you go to Sexton and say, this is bullshit? You've got a, you got a, or do you, there's no, no, the porter is prone to refereeing games himself sometimes. So, yeah. like, you just have to suck it up. You have to suck it up. Uh, there's nothing you can do. And I, I've yet to see anyone turn around. Now you can show like as good a picture as you can in the scrum, but you're also depending on what the prop opposite you is trying to make you look like well, you're now doing cheating. or doing. Knowing yeah. that they're like, well, it, I got it. Yeah, yeah, and and like I do the same. If, we're, if we're, someone opposite me is is has been given out to before we've done anything, yeah, of course I'm going to try and make them look bad. Yeah, you know, like I, I can. You we're we're there to win games, you know, like so you can be clever and try and milk stuff. What did you make of how Jakob Piper arrived at the the red card decision? Because like Quinny was saying this morning, well, he didn't have much choice Stewart in, in what he was doing and maybe a yellow card would have sufficed whereas Brian Driscoll was saying on ITV at the weekend like there is a duty of care there on Stewart's behalf and red card by the rule book was the right decision what was your take? So at the time I didn't uh, I didn't think it was a red um, live because as it unfolds um, so Ireland great attack Hansen about to get his hands free and it's going to be um, a two on one with the last man who's in the backfield who's Freddie Stewart so he sees it early he's trying to close so at that moment you've you've pretty much no option apart from try hit the second last man who is Hugo man and ball so as he catches it try hit him because if he catches it clean you know he just picks you off and, and low scores in the corner he actually sees pretty early uh, Freddie Stewart that the ball's not going to ground now so in, in that split second he's like okay you're now gone from trying to make a tackle to is the ball going to bounce up to me it's a free play um, you know is he going to knock it on and maybe I could you know salvage it and, and run the, the length of the pitch this is all in a split second so like yeah. you know in fairness to him he 100% did not mean it right yeah yeah, yeah. but I watched it back last night and unfortunately even though he did not mean it and like if I was Freddie Stewart I'd feel so hard done by it but at the end of the day it's it's not about the intent it's about the duty of care and it was reckless but when I say it was reckless there's, there's guys that are reckless in terms of they're going to absolutely whack you and they get it wrong where they're too high he was not trying to tackle Hugo's bending down to pick up the ball and that, and he, and Freddie Stewart's trying to pull out of it, mm. and that's the only reason he turns and, and hits him with an elbow. So I've, I feel unbelievably sorry for Freddie Stewart because he didn't, one hundred percent, didn't mean it. But you can't fly into someone and, and and hit them in the head with your elbow, and and that's the hard part. It's like if I'm on the other side, I feel like it's unbelievably harsh. But at the same time, when you look at it. Um, when you look at the video, it's like yeah, you know, you can't whack someone in the head with your elbow. So yeah, so live. I thought it was yellow, but watching it, but that, like seeing a replay, it was definitely red. That's the point as well, the discipline thing, because Ireland didn't pick up a card across the whole Six Nations. So like, that's mad. That, that's unreal. Yeah, like if you could do that in the World Cup, you're happy out. That's incredible. Yeah, and and 
I'm sure that might have been a goal for them, would have been their discipline, I don't know. Um, but I know they would have set out. They set out to to win a Grand Slam, but that's not the full stop. And they've been very clear about that in the in the, in the media and internally of, yes, let's win a Grand Slam, but that's we're not going to be just happy with that. We're not going to be done with that. And it's not about getting to a semi-final or not winning a knockout game. It's about winning the World Cup. It's It's actually... Believing in the team that we have and and winning a World Cup and not just been happy to be better than the the people here before. Um, what's Sexton like in the aftermath of um, stuff like this? What's he like to be around, and why why has he been why has his evolution as captain worked so well for him at this stage of his career? Do you think he's great crack? He's uh, he's wild crack actually uh, when he gets going, and I think he saves himself for you know it's like. He doesn't let you know let 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 loose until the right moments. Um, but yeah, he's great fun and like t- like they'll all be of a few sore heads today. Like yesterday, the day after is always the always the big Best one. Day, cause yeah, you- just because you're you know you've you're a bit tired and huge emotional dump, but you've kind of um, well, had a the corporate stuff is over. Yeah, exactly. Had, had a had a good night's sleep and and ready to go and I'd get a full day at it so I'm sure they had great fun um, but yeah it's been incredible watching him grow um, he's always been a leader so I don't want to say grow as a leader but just grow into that role as captain and I feel like he's been empowered uh, by by that coaching ticket to to grab a hold of the team and I think um, you know Stuart would have would have talked about you know, player-led team in Leinster and I feel like Andy Farrell has hit the nail on the head Um with this Irish team of of just giving him the reins to a certain extent, and and letting them be themselves and play as they want to play, and and um, enabling them to be with this world class side. Yeah, because we say these things right, but actually, um, what it means on a practical level is that they have they they continue to develop and evolve, and I think that's the bit about the game plan too, is that they'll take the lessons from the England game and then they'll use those and they'll get better themselves as opposed yeah. to here's how we play and it got us to this point. And that's if we just do this a little bit better, we'll continue to win because that's not going to happen. No, and you have to keep evolving uh, because you know when you're the best side in the world, the, the the bad side of that is everyone's looking at your games. Every single team's looking at your games. Yeah. Like, okay, one, what can we copy that we could do uh, and put our own spin on? And then two, it's like everyone's coming up with a game plan to beat you. And then as soon as one of them figures it out, everyone just copies that. So. Uh, you just got to keep moving and keep staying ahead of the pack, um, and I think they've done a great job as well of of building depth and giving experience to yeah. to different guys in different positions and finding your role in the team. I think that's important as well, find, knowing your strengths and finding your role in that team. Those injured players who all got to go up and be part of the celebration—that's a pretty good team that we have right there on the bench who are unavailable for selection. Um, one other thing to touch on here: um, Colin was saying he was down in Cork over the weekend. It's a bit of an issue that it's mostly Leinster out there. Any? Um, is this an issue? Uh, well, I could see. Well, it's not an issue, but you know, you can you, you want you know to be uh, to have people playing where you're from and I can understand that side of things but uh, you know, Andy Farrell's picking the, the best team available and, and uh, like I'd, I'd like anyone to try debate me off of who you'd have in versus the the 23 that he picks I think um, I think the Lancaster thing is really important to um, pay testimony to here today as well because uh, his imprints are definitely on the evolution of the individuals and a fair bit you would say on the style of play as well right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, 
I uh, listen the Irish rugby's in in, um, in probably the best spot it's it's ever been, and I think we've been very lucky with um, a few of the the leaders uh, coaches we've had over the years for the different periods, and we needed those those different characters for those different times. You know, I think uh, I think Joe changed the mentality of of Ireland in general in terms of we can beat the All Blacks, we can be the best in the world. Um, and, I, and I think that was a, a, a pivotal turn in kind of the mindset of, of Irish players. And then, when, you know, when you're, you're a young guy looking up at these guys, it's achievable, it's attainable. And, and then, you know, you believe in it more and um, you realise that the, the standards that need to be held to, to reach that level. But um, it's an exciting time um, to be Irish. Last thing is um, the bit where Piper turns around and goes, every time every time I look around, one of you is lying on the ground. What's going on here? It has to stop. Uh, there were fake injuries. A go-go. It's one of the things that really frustrates me. And uh, like I think I think you need to punish it. So Ireland and, and all of the, the teams that are good to watch, like New Zealand, uh, who want to actually play rugby and, and, and not get into um, just killing the game and, and these little things. But... Um, French teams do it uh, against Leinster the whole time as well where they have these fake injuries and they, they all always seem to be able to play on and they always seem to be in the biggest moments where the momentum swung in the favour of of either of the of the other team uh, and I think there has to be some sort of rule change or solution to it you know I think maybe the 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 injured player if you want to call it uh, has to leave the field until the next set of play is over uh, maybe that's a solution but then the downside to that is you're actually injured you're losing a man for for no reason but i just there has to be a consequence to it i think it's, it's the it's it's professional foul in my opinion um and you know it's so clear that they're they're faking it and yeah. because you you, look, you go through the game and the timestamps. It's every big moment where we have you know either a big line out or we've won a big moment. Someone's down, and you know they're killing it. They're like oh, giving it the the big one, and then all of a sudden they're perfect. The magic's break. The magic's break. Exactly. Yeah, it's so frustrating. But uh, I'm not sure of the solution. But I think that would definitely disincentivize it. We need to come up with some way of disincentivizing it. We'll start our campaign here, James. That was brilliant. Thanks a million for joining us. That's uh, Jeff Tracy giving us his thoughts on Ireland's Grand Slam. Uh, up next, Cahal Balani with the sports news and then Martin Lipton on Antonio Conte's amazing incendiary press conference after their three-all draw against Southampton. First, a uh, final bit this morning from Sexton and Farrell's post-match. What a Grand Slam. Uh, you know, it's a pitch yourself stuff. And you're out with your kids with the trophy walking around the Aviva. Pretty amazing. Yeah, you, you couldn't make it up really. Um, it is stuff for myself during the week, stuff for dreams and you know, growing up you all you wanted to do was play for Ireland. Um, I said during the week I, I don't know why, but I always wanted to captain Ireland and uh, this fella asked me to do it. Probably one of the best days of my life and then obviously to have this today, um, even better. So uh, they're a great group, great group, great management team, great uh, bunch of players and and uh, said in the dressing room there it's not the end it's the, there's plenty more left in this team and just lastly is there any chance we'll see you again playing in the Six Nations well no you can't uh, <laughs> can't sort of take that you know uh, no no <laughs> uh, not the time it's been it's, no it's not the time it's, mm-hmm. but it, it's uh, 
today was about us as a team, like, you know what I mean, like to, to, to finish the campaign, something that we set out to do eight weeks ago, like when you set out to do something and then you achieve it, it's, it's a very special feeling in that dressing room and uh, mm -hmm. for the moment, let's just enjoy the next 48 hours, it's, uh, like I said, it's a special, special group and a special, uh, special team, so. And Eamon Sweeney claims Whoa. that this... Oh, there you go. Uh, Bruce Robo Fan Club says, Tracy's a brilliant guest, really insightful analysis. We tend to agree. Yeah, he's been uh, a really brilliant addition over the course of the Six Nations as well. One of the breakout stars. Mm, what is, a real. Yeah, he's, uh, he's definitely in our power rankings. Uh, right, Colin Lanny's with us. Colin, good morning to you. How are you? Lads, how's it going? Are you well? Uh, you were busy, busy weekend of GAA, which we haven't mentioned yet on the show. Yeah, uh, there was plenty going on. I suppose it does go under the radar, doesn't it? Um storylines I suppose the hurling semi-finals are laid out now uh, Limerick beat Wexford pretty comfortably yesterday uh, Kilkenny beat Waterford um, in the football I think Mayo you know they look really really good um, they've got so much to be positive about now and they're through to the league final I think Galway are coming under the radar a little bit as well they dug out a really good win on, on Saturday at the same time as the rugby against Armagh so I think teams are kind of coming towards that stage now where they, they need to be kind of coming into shape uh, for the championship and if you're not in shape uh, things are not in a great place so Donegal looked to be struggling big time mm. um, put up nine points yesterday difficult conditions albeit but uh, they look to be in a little bit of trouble Monaghan shipped to was it eight point loss in the yeah. end uh, to Tyrone so they've got a tough game against Mayo in the last round next weekend and then down the divisions I think division four is, is the place where everything's going to happen next Sunday there's still Sligo up top yeah, there's five teams uh, in with a shout of going up. Um, Wexford, I think, can even get up with a, an unlikely scenario of uh, results. Um, but Wicklow, Sligo, uh, Leash and Leitrim all in contention. So uh, that's going to be very interesting. So it's, um, I suppose the, the football leagues will be the, the focus of attention next weekend. And uh, it's interesting, like when you're on about teams in Division 1, you're questioning whether they want to make the final or not. In Division 4, it's a case of this is your season mm. uh, by trying to get to the final and get promotion. Yeah, um, and it's funny maybe because they're in it but Mayo are saying no no absolutely we want to play the league final yeah. and I think it's it's the right attitude to have I know the, the next game the following week is obviously going to be absolutely massive but you know these players love playing games yeah. the, the, we always hear about the games to training ratio being wildly out of whack so if you pick your full team and they have a win and they get confidence and patterns of play emerge then Look, I'm not saying that there won't be a, a smash and grab the following week from Ross Common, who are definitely preparing for that game, even yeah. with the style of play that they have um, at the weekend. So I don't know it's all it's coming to a boil nicely. It is, and uh, I think the new championship format's going to catch us all by a little bit of surprise as well when the teams go into those groups of four uh, for the championship in the latter stages. So that's something to think about as well. But Mayo have so much to be positive about in terms of their conditioning looks absolutely brilliant I think they're probably the best conditioned team in the country at the moment they've got loads happening up front like Aidan O'Shea is probably playing the best football he has in the last five or six years and they've got options up front now as well which is which is great yeah. for them so I mean so much to be positive about for them Alright anything else? Well lots happening obviously Evan Ferguson uh, yesterday two goals for Brighton so they're in fantastic form they play Manchester United in the uh, semi-finals of the FA Cup City against Sheffield United uh, on the other side of the draw we mentioned those uh, league semi-finals in the hurling so the lineup is Limerick against Tipperary and Cork will play Kilkenny and uh, Kildare's good run in Division 2A of the hurling as well continues they're into the league final there uh, Offaly and Kerry set to play off in the semi-final in that one and in the Little Ladies National Football League Galway beat Mayo by a point yesterday and they play Kerry in the final of that competition 
Alright Carl good stuff thanks a million for that Uh, We're turning our attention to the situation at Spurs now let's hear from Antonio Conte in the aftermath of his side coughing up uh, a very winnable match against Southampton it finishes 3-all with a last minute penalty a 97th minute penalty from James Ward-Prowse and Antonio Conte went off on one afterwards to find alibi and an excuse for, for, for the players okay continue continue to do this to find excuse for the players you do only this you do only this excuse for the players yeah but the players maybe my, my future and then okay, they, they lost they lost confidence they lost spirit they lost to, to be a team excuse 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 try to protect try to protect every time and uh, this situation ah, come on come on come on Martin Lipson good morning to you how are you good morning uh, Antonio Conte um, what was he doing what do you think he was doing oh, look I've had enough of the excuses actually excuses 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 from Antonio Conte um, he seems to take the credit whenever they win and no one's responsibility when they don't win and I don't think that's acceptable actually uh, some of the points he makes are quite relevant I do think that there's a, a culture of inhibition within that squad. But he's getting paid 15 million quid a year to try and fix it, not to blame everybody else and to blame the players. And there's no way, if I'm in his dressing room today, that I want to play for him tomorrow. And, you know, he's probably lucky he's, he's going to be 10 days till he sees the players again because of the international break. But I don't see how he benefits anyone from that. Maybe when you're 3-1 up, the super super intelligent, brilliant coach, Italian on £15 million a year, knows how to see out a 3-1 win against the bottom team in the league. Isn't that his job? It feels like it is his job. And it it feels as if other results had gone, uh, or, or maybe if all the full slate of, of matches had been played and they were no longer in fourth, then the, the owners and Daniel Levy would have had to act. But it feels like there's a weird stalemate where Antonio Conte more than likely will still be the Spurs manager the next time they take the pitch. Yeah, I don't think they're going to get rid now. Uh, this Obviously, he's going to look really stupid in 24 hours when he's sacked, but I, I actually don't think they're going to get rid now. I think they're going to stay to, to the end of the season uh, and then agree on both sides that that's enough, we've had enough, thanks very much, and we move on. I personally think they should act and, and make a change, actually, and I don't normally do that, but I, th- I can't see there's any value in continuing with a manager who simply doesn't want to be there. And he's made that abundantly clear. But the argument, I guess, is, well, they are still in the fight for fourth. The destabilisation now wouldn't do him any favours. Are you going to get anybody in to actually do the job who isn't Ryan Mason? This is not fair on Ryan Mason to have to inherit uh, a, a mess of a dressing room for the second time in three years. So that being the case, let's just bumble on and hope somehow we win six of the last ten games and still fourth. But... It's a, it's a shambles, isn't it? Is this a situation, Martin, that needs Harry Kane and the, the, the Spurs leadership in that dressing room to kind of almost take him aside and, and have a conversation and say, well, you can't you can't call us out publicly. Like, say it to us behind the scenes all, all you want, but it, will it take some of the players to maybe have a conversation with him? I don't think it's going to stop him, is it? Because nothing ever does. This is, this is what you get with Conte. The surprising thing, maybe it's not a surprising thing, is that the things that normally take two, two and a half years to unravel have unraveled in 18 months or less than that. It was the same with Mourinho, wouldn't it? Everywhere he goes, the, the time scale before the implosion gets shorter. I think when the managers get older, their patience or their tolerance of what they don't like is shorter as well. And therefore, they're 
uh, yeah, they, they lose their rag earlier. And Conte seems to be going down exactly the same path that Mourinho does when things don't work, seeking to blame rather than seeking to change. Uh, we, we only played a, a short clip there of the press conference. It's like 10, 12 minutes, I think, of him largely uninterrupted detailing the history. And I, I don't know, did he come out and clarify afterwards that he wasn't complaining about the owners? Because it felt like he was complaining about the owners. <laughs> Certainly, well, that was the impression that we all took from the immediate, like, oh, you seem to be saying that partly this rests with the owners. And then I was like, no, 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 no. Well, I'm told that he clarified with the board and said it was about the players, not them, and that they've accepted that for now. Let's see. Um, I mean, a lot of the fans will see it both ways. It is the players, but it is the manager, but also it is the ownership. That would be their argument. You know, they did give £180 million to spend this summer. It's not as if they're being they're short-changing the bloke. He was the one who won out and got Perisic, who has not performed, albeit he scored a goal uh, at the weekend. He's got his, his mate, Paratici signing the players, and then he doesn't pick the players that his mate signs for him. It's all a bit bizarre, isn't it, really? You mentioned that like, the, the excuses, Martin. This isn't the first time, like after the AC Milan exit of the, in the Champions League, he starts attacking the fans, you know, saying the pressure uh, in terms of the, the, the winning the trophy as a club was getting to the players and affecting the atmosphere within the stadium. So, like, if you're attacking the fans and attacking the players, it screams of a man asking to be sacked. Yeah, I think he wants out. Look, I, as I said previously on the was on the show, I, I don't blame him. I think there's other factors that are hugely uh, pressing on his mind at the moment. I think he's still suffering from the aftermath of the operation. Uh, he's lost his gallbladder. Someone pointed out it's not it's not bad to have a loose gallbladder and show more bile, but there you go. Um, and he's the, the death of his three mates and all of these things. I just don't. I think he must be back in Italy where he feels at home, and I, and I don't, on a personal level, have an issue with that. I just think he should be showing a little bit more respect for the institution of the club and the supporters, not necessarily the players, by the way, but for the, the supporters and the club, and just get his head down and get the job done. If he's, want, if he's going to stay to the end of the season, which he probably is, stop moaning, just do your job for six weeks. It's not exactly that difficult. He's, he said they struggle to cope under pressure, like, not within that clip we played, but like the players struggle to cope under pressure. That's a, that's a crushing indictment of any professional footballer, surely. Yeah, I think it's a legitimate argument, actually. Uh, you know, when have, in the biggest of games over the last five, six seasons, they have not been able to see out results when they should have done, with the exception was the miracle game in, in Ajax uh, in 2019. But that was four years ago. Uh, and, you know, and, and worrying thing is that the majority of that, a lot of that team, not the majority anymore, but a lot of that team is still at the club. They certainly were at the club last year. And the... Tottenham are, have gone very much backwards from the high watermark, which was the 16-17 season. We're talking six years ago. They've never got anywhere close to that level. And they, when they finished runners-up to Chelsea and were, you know, never going to win the league, but certainly were the only team who could deprive Chelsea of the title. And the, there's no question that things have gone backwards since. And that's, of course, since they left White Hart Lane. Uh, they had those two seasons or a season and a half at Wembley. Uh, then they've moved into the new stadium, then COVID, etc., it's there's there've been individual performances that have been half decent, but you never really believe that Tottenham are going to win anything with this team, do you? Newcastle have overcome something of a bit of a wobble uh, and look like they're getting back to some form. And Isak starting to score goals, um, and they obviously have games in hand, which if they win, will will take them clear of of Spurs in fourth. At this stage, do you expect Spurs with Conte to be able to turn this around and to finish in the top four? 
No, but then again, I've been thinking fifth or sixth all season. So for a long time, actually, that, at Christmas, I thought there's only the only team that could stop Tottenham finishing top four was Tottenham. Well, they've managed that quite spectacularly, uh, and uh, I think they're going to miss out. I do. I think they're going to uh, going to struggle. They'll win three or four. They'll lose a few. They'll draw a couple, and they won't be. They'll end up in fifth or sixth. I think. I think, and I, I think that that's a logical assessment of where we are at the moment. But the the board and, and Levy must be making the same consideration. They must have the same. So is it just that they don't they don't feel they'd be able to get the manager in, and it would be Ryan Mason, and so therefore that would be unfair on him? Like what's stopping them from getting rid of Conte at the moment? I don't know. Uh, maybe there's clauses in the in the contract that will make 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 more sense to let it run down. Um, you know, maybe that he gets the bo- the bonus if he's in fourth place when they when he's uh, got okay. rid of, for example. Yeah, yeah, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I have no idea. Yeah. I have no idea. I haven't seen the contract, and I don't want to say that that's the case. I genuinely don't know. Maybe they don't think there's an alternative. Maybe they think that he can, through tough love, turn it round. Uh, honestly, I don't know. All I can say is if it were me, I'd have said after inter- after the AC Milan game, enough is enough. But that's me. I'm wrong. You know, I'm, I'm not the owner. It isn't my money. I'm just a, you know, a, on this occasion, we're talking to me, I'm talking as, as, from a fan's perspective, uh, even from a journalistic perspective, I, I think it's time to, to do it. But that's just my opinion. There'd be millions of others. Um, the I, I don't think we've spoken about Luis Enrique as a potential uh, candidate for this gig Certainly, Enrique has one of those CVs that would allow him to come in and, and be in charge. But like Mourinho was in charge and Conte is in charge. So I'm not sure. It, it seems almost like it's a, a similar alpha dog that you're getting. But he might be the, the spark that the club needs. What's your assessment of, of him as a potential candidate? Look, I, I honestly, I don't know who would make a difference. The one thing I think is that if Pochettino comes back, the morale in the cl- in the club changes Immediately, he will give everything a boost because the fans recognise that he gets the club, and that is quite important. I think is the attitude and atmosphere of the supporters. Luis Enrique clearly did a fantastic job uh, at Barcelona, but it is Barcelona; it's a two-club league. Uh, was he any more successful at the national level than Gareth Southgate? No. Would people want Gareth Southgate at Tottenham? Probably not. So why Luis Enrique? And he had arguably, you know, as good a, a squad, if not a better squad, uh, over those two tournaments. Do you look at Almerim from uh, Sporting Lisbon? Again, is another option. Would be a change. A lot of Portuguese managers have come in recently and not done so well, you know. So wherever you go, it's going to be a difficult call. I, I, I still think the easiest call, but probably the best call, would be to go to Pochettino again. But, you know, they do say never go back. Would you expect, I'm not going to say a mass exodus, Martin, but an exodus of sorts if, if Spurs don't get that Champions League spot? I think they'll have to be. I think there needs to be a, a significant change anyhow, come what may. Uh, this current squad is no better on a good day than fourth. So if the ambition is to be better than fourth, which I assume it is, you have to change the squad. Now, we know we've got the, the left-back coming in from Udinese next season. I think him... so. Uh, him on the left and Poro on the right will give them a bit more thrust, which is important. But they need a playmaker. We've needed a, Tottenham have needed a playmaker ever since Ericsson had left, and they haven't replaced. I don't understand why. That's you know, Conti doesn't want to play with one. I think you need someone to unlock teams. If that's Madison, perhaps then great. You know, I think he could be the be the answer. 
I think Lucas Moura has to go. Uh, the boy Dan Juma is clearly not going to be there next season. Longley's not going to be there next season. They'll get rid of one of the midfielders. Uh, there's going to be a significant change, no question. And that's irrespective of what happens in the rest of this season. You mean, you need, then you have a squad there of players like Richarlison who clearly Conte hasn't been able to get the best out of him. So maybe someone else will. You'd hope so. I mean, it'd be helpful if he stayed on the pitch fit for more than three three games at a time. He, you know, he lasted five minutes on Saturday, and you can't blame players for injuries. But he seems to have had more than his fair share this season, and that's not helped anybody. He's, you know, he's not scored a league goal yet, and he's played quite well in games, and he's had a couple of very tight VAR calls, and he's now playing on his head clearly. But you want your players to be stronger than that. You want them to to do better. You can't rely on Kane and Son to score every goal every season forever. Um, and without Ben Tancor, he's hugely huge loss for them. Let's be honest. I mean, Ben Tancor plays in that game. They don't lose. They don't draw. They'll win the game on Saturday uh, because he'd have driven the ball forward. He'd have changed the dynamic of the game. But he's not there. Others have got to fill the void, and they're not capable. It seems at the moment of, of so doing. That's not to decry the lack of intensity and effort. It's just that they lack that player who can carry the ball. Martin we leave it there good stuff thanks a million for joining us cheers thanks. So Martin Lipton football writer with the sun giving us his thoughts this morning on situation at Spurs a reminder OTBAM is live with Gillette Labs for the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now here's uh, what's on the OTB podcast network today Andy Dunn's reaction to the Grand Slam Kenny Cunningham on Arsenal going 8 points clear I mean we will definitely cover Arsenal more this week um, it's just a crisis at Spurs has enveloped us and then the Sunday paper review with Sinead O'Carroll and Gavin Casey is available there as well uh, you can follow off the ball across our social and subscribe to the OTV Podcast Network after this short break. Anthony Moyle is looking back at the weekend's Gaelic football. First, Kenny Cunningham. And then, like, with Jesus coming back, Trossard they signed in January and he's got off to a flyer as well, Ars. He's really contributing. It's just, everything is going so, so well for Mikel Arteta. Like, do you see any kind of areas of concern over this last 10 games now for them? A couple of difficult fixtures there with Liverpool away, Manchester City away. Yeah. There's a couple of other yeah. games there that they might. Yeah. But playing this playing this way, I know what you're saying. Uh, like, do you Stephen, think they could go that, to those two matches away from home and win them? Yeah, absolutely. But the, what's going to be key for them for me is just just key personnel. So we spoke about party a couple of weeks ago out of the team for a couple of games. Georgina comes in, drop off for me. Um, Saliba got, went out of the team today. Holding comes in, done okay today. Don't get me wrong, but drop off for me if Holding's got to play there for four, five, six games. Particularly those big games that you're talking about. They got to go to Liverpool, uh, Chelsea, Manchester City. They had to go to those games where Holding at centre half would be a slight worry. But what's going in their favour now is they haven't got uh, the amount of games coming down the road that Manchester City have. They're pretty much playing week to week from now to the end of the season. Arteta gets his players back from international duty. Fingers crossed he gets most of them back uh, fit. If Saliba isn't kind of long-term, Tomayasu get those players back reasonably quickly, then Arsenal are in such a strong position. I really think they're strong favourites at the the moment. And what will help them will be a less congested fixture schedule between now and the end of the season. I think that gives them um, an advantage over Manchester City. He'll be looking to go deep, obviously, in the Champions League. You're listening to OTB AM. Zebo going on his own. He gets the try. The Red 78. We're both monster people. Nobody knows monster rugby better. Carberry gets over the line. Try from a Available every Wednesday. Don't miss a moment of action. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. 
OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Right, Anthony Moyles is with us to look back at the weekend's Gaelic football. Before we do that, you were at the Aviva. Yeah. Yeah, 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 I was. I, uh, Nothing jumped, like a good bandwagoner. I jumped across codes for the day. <laughs> <laughs> I know everything about rugby now, Jerry. We, we keep going. What was it like? Uh, very, very, very nervous. Everyone was nervous pre-game. You know, I even chatted to everyone, was kind of walking around, thinking, is this just the Irish psyche? You know, if it was Italy or Wales or Scotland, would we be thinking the same? Um, and that tension, you could... Very evident on the pitch, you know, fellas, I, I think players, the Irish players trying stuff that they probably wouldn't normally try and just trying to get it done, you know, trying to get a score. Uh, once, once from about that 45th minute to about 55, it was just a real arm wrestle. And it was kind of like if, if Ireland score here, they'll break the, the, the kind of, you know, the, the spirit of them. And they did. And then kind of that was it. You yeah. Know, they saw it out. And the crowd kind of relaxed. And you could nearly see the players relax, you know. But the atmosphere was unbelievable. I have to say, great occasion. Um, you know, a bit of history. Uh, yeah, it was, it was great to be there. Very good. Um, was it history? Dublin hammering Meath as well? Uh, it's not really. Uh, yeah. No. No. It just seems to be the norm, you know. The norm continues. At least it was in Navan this time. Everybody's shorter journey home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I obviously wasn't there so I watched it back um, on Saturday night just thought you know after the when you have the pleasure you have to have the pain <laughs> you know? so I sat through it uh, it was it was it was very 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 poor from a mead perspective uh, extremely poor um, and you know I, I've I hear people talking about oh it takes time and Colin O'Rourke was, was interviewed after it saying you know this isn't going to take weeks or months it's going to take years and you're kind of saying Okay, really? Um, and, you know, there was every excuse under the sun being thrown out. Fellas aren't conditioned. And I'm looking at the players and kind of going, okay, well, there's fellas who were there who've been playing inter-county football for definitely the last six, seven, eight years. There's guys then have come through underage panels with me, minors, under 20, so that. So I'm kind of going, if they're not conditioned now, why, what have they been doing the last five, six, seven years? So I don't take that. Um, I think the players genuinely were hung out to dry. Um, they have a very inexperienced full back line and they were marking Conor Callaghan, the new young lad O'Gara and Coma Coslo with no protection in front of them, with a big gale. And all Dublin did was quick transition the ball, long ball in, lo- lots of movement in the full forward line and just tore them apart. Um, and... Honestly, it could have been a, probably a 20 or 25 point loss. Like, Meade got a very fortuitous goal and Dublin probably butchered another two, if not three. So, just to, to clarify that, they went man on man in the first half instead of actually back in the defence against the breeze. Yeah, correct. Yeah, so Meade, Meade uh, Dublin had the breeze. Meade had plenty of the ball in the first half, but Dublin just did what they did, which was, was you know, they, they, they allowed them come on to them and just got them on the break. And... I know we spoke about this a couple of weeks ago with the Derry-Dublin game where we said Dublin have learnt more so than a lot of teams and you see it with Derry and you see it with other teams that when you're playing against a defensive setup, the old way or a couple of years ago and the naive way is that you leave just one man in you're one full forward and you try to create space in front of the goal but actually that's not what you do because what happens there is the opposition are able to crowd around the D 
So they're able to just, so you're trying to get punch holes and you can't. So actually what you should do is you should put four or at least four forwards right in on top of the goal and you spread them out and actually make sure that they're marked. So then by virtue of actually personnel, you can actually create a bit more space in those areas. So if you do get a break, you can just pop the ball over the bar and then recycle. Or if you get in there, you've got fellas coming out on the loop who are already inside and they can come around your shoulder. So there was just a bit of nuance, a bit of naivety, really, I felt. Um, they fell right into the trap, the Dublin trap that was set. Um, and then the second half, you know, Dublin just just did what they needed to do. And, uh, yeah, it was a very, very poor showing. I like... The one thing I've, we've all realised this, and, and if you look at the, the teams that are doing well over the last number of years, um, and even look at Kerry over, say, the last four or five years, the first thing they did was they got their defensive setup correct. That's what they did. They, 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 you know, they abandoned, I know we spoke about this a while ago, but they abandoned the six on six, the man on man. They put Tyg Morley in as a, as, a, as a sweeper, and they said, we're going to get a hard working half forward line, which probably aren't the best footballers in Kerry. You can probably say loads of lads are given out because they're not good, you know, not as silky as the rest. But he realized, I have four top class forwards who can kick scores, but I need two workers. And I don't see it. I'm, I'm kind of going in me, like this whole thing of, oh, we can kick the ball, we can kick the ball. The modern game, if, if if a defense is packed, you can't kick the ball. You can't kick it from 30, 40, 50 yards. Because even if the guy wins it inside, he's going to be crowded out. So I think there's a lot of work needs to be done. I think this excuses of conditioning and they're a young team, they're naive. But if they're a young team, give them some help. Give them some support. Protect yeah. them. Yeah. Um, so, um, so, yeah. Bad tactics in terms of the approach, but also a lack of accountability, it seems. I think so. You know, I heard Colin being interviewed and I didn't, like, I mean, the first thing I thought should have been, listen, hands up, we got it wrong as a management team. You know, we exposed the full back line um, because there was loads of effort from the Mead lads. Like lots, you know, people, of course, will give out about players, but there was loads of effort. They were running around, they were trying to tackle, they were trying to chase. It wasn't a lack of appetite or intensity, um, but they just couldn't, you know, people say, oh, they weren't, they weren't even getting any hits. You can't get hits when you're chasing shadows, you know, and fellas are running past you at, at pace. You can't, you need, you need to be solid. You know, yeah. you need to be calm. Compact. Also, the days of hits actually mattering, they're gone, really. <laughs> yeah, well, you're on. The, you're, you're red card or black card and that's it, you're done. Yeah, but no. those comments from Colin O'Rourke afterwards where he's saying this is going to be a slow process, not weeks or months. So he's suggesting it's going to be years, but that, that seems like a bizarre enough thing for a manager to you're say. Kind after. of writing off a couple of years of lads' careers there, right? Well, very, well like if, I, if I'm a 26 or 27-year-old, I'm kind of going... <sighs> You know, what's the point? So, so if it's if it's nineteen or eighteen or nineteen, I know the under twenties are out. I think on Tuesday night, but then you're just flooding the team with young lads, and you're saying, but but still, they're not going to be conditioned. They're not going to be. They're not going to have the nuance and the experience. You have to deal with what you have in front of you, and I just think that it's you know to say that it shouldn't be like was it years? Okay, it was years for Derry, right, or even loud, but they've showed progression. And what they've done is they've showed that we have a system and we have a structure which we believe in and all the players buy into it. And therefore, we will progress. We might need to tweak it every now and again. We might need to tweak it for who we're playing. But I just felt it was, we're going out against Dublin. We're going to go 15 against 15. I'm sure we'll see how we go. What about the dubs? I mean, obviously, it's difficult to read too much into a match where it's decided almost before throw-in that they're going to end up winning this game. But are they seeing enough signs across the league that uh, the strength and depth that they need to be there and that the form of their better players is coming to where it needs to be? It's a strange one because I did. I I tried to watch it with a critical eye on them as well. Um, 
It was no test year, so it is very, very hard. Um, I think, you know, O'Gara, who was corner forward, people will be writing about him. I don't think he'll get an easier day, to be honest. Um, so when things are rough and he's got plenty of bodies around him, will he, will he have the same type of impact? Um, Costello was good. I thought he was he needed a bit a bit of boost. Conor Callahan again one on one. Like Fenton was imperious again around the middle of the field. Although I thought you know the the lads around the middle for me did very very well. Ronan Jones and and Jack Flynn and Dahi McGowan when he came in did well. But the the, the defensive setup again strong. A bit of speed coming out from Merchant. Um, Davy Byrne was back did quite well. The goalkeeper is really impressive. Um, there's a there's a competition for. Dublin goalkeeper Evan oh, yeah. hasn't been in the squad. So. Yeah, Evan will be back. You know, I think he's a long-term injury, but I think he's, he's due back. So that you know, there you go. You've got two absolutely you know serious keepers now. Look, I think I, they, they, they've you know what I'd say. Desi probably would have wanted a better challenge. Right. To be honest with you. Well, he's going to get it against Loud in the last round. I think is that their last game. And um, yeah, yeah, that's Crow Park. You know, and Loud, like you know, as I said, talk about a team that are on the up and up uh, and a team full of confidence. By the way, after losing probably two of their best players. Yeah, of course. You know, uh, like Mulroy is gone, and they come and they come from behind against Cork. I know Cork were down to fourteen, but here in Burn as well, yeah, oh, some fantastic score. Like I mean, just just really, and the spirit you can see it in them. Um, and again, you know, they will. Uh, I think Mead, if potentially Mead will meet them in a Leinster semi final, which should be interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can they beat the Dubs? Don't know, but I tell you what, they, they'll 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 set up absolutely like you know Mickey Hart and Devlin are well used to playing against Dublin right so they know what buttons to push and they know how to set up against them so I'll imagine they will try to make Crow Park as compact as possible and just do what they're doing which is you know they have a lot of pace around the middle they've got guys in the full forward line who are well able to score and they don't mind sacrificing themselves so uh, will they beat them I don't know it's a hard one to guess it, it, It's, but I think Dublin are already promoted so you know well I think Dublin yeah I don't know it's, it's, oh, it's a, are they not do they have no, to win it there's a, there is a, a sequence of results to be you know it yeah, remarkable yeah. for Louth to overcome them there's a 14 point score yeah. is it head to head first they, and then it's going to head to head first, head head first. Head head first. Right. Yeah. So what they two points they won. yeah yeah if they win yeah. so if win they win they, they win yeah, yeah. Um, they'd have to win the game Mm. Yeah, can't see it. Can't see it. I think Dublin will, will will look. They'll be up in the gears. You know, they'll be up in the gears. They still have plenty to go, and they still have plenty because they'll be saying to themselves, "Listen, you know, Leinster at this stage, again, <laughs> yeah. exactly." Yeah, yeah. Uh, King Johnson's been doing a bit of work for us on the on the football trends, and he was making the point that Dublin scored two seven of two nineteen from Meath turnovers. Meath scored three points from Dublin turnovers, and last year's championship, forty percent of all scores come from turnovers. So there's a moment. When you when you win the ball back, if you go forty percent of the time, you're going to score. A lot of teams take that as like, oh, we're going to take a break now because we've got the ball, got the ball, and that's yeah. like, um, yeah, we're going to slow everything down. And uh, but yeah, and Dublin also do a very good tactic whereby if 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 we win the ball from them, anyone who's close just does a little small little tug back, well, and it's a free, and then you kind of you get in front of the player and you talk to the referee, and that's just a little bit of experience. That's all it is. Nuance, as Nin- I said, nineteen ten was this was the uh, score. Dublin fouled nineteen, Meath ten. So every time they lost the ball, tactical yeah, foul. Tack- yeah, that's it. And um, and I think all the best teams are doing this, like uh, all of them. And so yeah. it's obviously being coached. Correct. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a tactic, and it's a, so we're not singling Dublin out here because everybody who is a good team is doing it at the moment. Is yeah. there is there like is that far more important than the black cards? Uh, it's a very hard thing again to officiate because you know 
I get in front of you and I'm, tr- I'm kind of tackling you, you know, but I'm just making sure you're not getting away from me. You know, so I look like I'm tackling you and then I just, and next thing the referee, and then I stand up in front of you and I'm talking to the referee. Meanwhile, the rest of my players are yeah. absolutely <laughs> milling back down the pitch. So all you need is five, six, seven seconds. It's all you need yeah, to delay exactly. it for, you know, and get back. Um, and that's the high-end coaching that's happening. It's, it's happening in Kerry, it's happening in Tyrone, it's happening in Derry, it's happening yeah. in Galway, it's happening... Yeah, OK. Um, you know, the old way, actually, like, going back, but it would be that if you were on the ground, you would throw it literally back to the person behind you, whoever's closest to you, and just let him kick and let him try to move on. But what fellas do is they get up and they'll try to, you know, there's a wrestle, and then, of course, that's just the time, whereby you should release the ball as fast back and then try to move it as quickly as possible. But it's... Again, Look, it is that high level, Jer, that's going on. And uh, just keep an eye out for it. And we'll, we'll talk about it again as yeah. the, the season progresses. Um, Kerry beat Roscommon. The Roscommon, kind of, that, their hype train has been calmed nicely. <laughs> I wouldn't say derailed, I but would, yes, no, calmed. No, but like, and so I'd say they'll be happy enough. Won three games in the league. More than likely, I think, barring a weird sequence of results again, um, Gonna be safe. Maybe they're totally safe with the way the fixtures are working out. Uh, I think it can, can go down to scoring difference. If Donegal beat them, Donegal uh, Donegal are already gone. But if Donegal beat them, then if Monaghan won against Mayo, they'd finish level with Roscommon, and they've beaten Roscommon, so they'd have the head to head. But uh, there's a few results. Armagh right, still yeah. need to catch them as well. Yes, of course. Armagh yeah, need yeah. to go to Tyrone and win. Yeah, so, yeah, which is going to be. As you, you, you'd imagine, that's going to be a major uh, battle. I did, the Roscommon thing, it's interesting. So you look, at, you look at themselves in Mayo, right? So a week after the league final, they're going to meet in the championship. Mayo are on the ruppers, you know, beating anyone around them. They're going to come into it. They're going to play the league final. So they've got, I think, Mayo of Donegal. I'm oh, sorry, they've Monaghan next. Yeah, Castlebar. And... Will they put full on? I'd say they'll rest a few fellas hopefully, for that. Hopefully, the rest yeah. of you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, <laughs> nice. yeah, twelve of them maybe. I'm <laughs> <laughs> joking. But if they do that, uh, but also McStay doesn't seem like the type of fella who wants to tinker with momentum. You know, he was saying it yesterday, and even in the interview, he said, "No, no, Monaghan is our next yep. focus. Never mind the league final." So he wants to. He doesn't. I, it's a, it's a tricky. It's a really, really tricky thing because if you allow that mentality to come into your players, and they'll even sense it that this one doesn't really matter, it will definitely come out on the pitch. So even if you're bringing in new lads to try to blood a few new fellas, what ends up happening is they're playing with guys who are exper- who actually have dropped it back a gear. So you don't really see the best of them. Yeah. So you could end up being beaten by four or five, you know, or whatever it is. But then he comes into a league final then after having a loss and you're trying to put it back up into six gear. So it's a tricky scenario for him. But at the same time, Ross Common, albeit various results but are they setting a trap for them in the first round of Connacht Roscommon have proved that they are well able to stay in games and they are very very the, the confidence level is high and the belief is high like they've come back a lot of times yeah. seven and last ten minutes they've pushed on and again against Kerry, did, Kerry I think Kerry thought we just swipe these away here and it looked at various stages that they would do it but actually Roscommon stuck in uh, and could have got something from the game um, again the analysis of the kickouts uh, Kerry won 10 out of 10 kickouts up to the 70th minute and then Roscommon pushed forward and Roscommon won all the Kerry kickouts yeah. so it's like um, obviously the game is the melting pot at that point and they're trying to win it and so maybe that's we're going we're gonna to manage games by conceding the kickouts but we, we do have the capacity when we need, need to, to. to surge mm. it's an interesting thing to be able to do like yeah, um, yeah. And look, I don't know how premeditated that was or if it was just that the game was getting away from them and it's injury time now, so we're going to go for it. But 
against Mayo they can decide yeah. in the championship we're going to start one way we'll finish another way or we're going to show you one thing and you're going to expect it and then we actually change that's the bit that gets into an opposition's head yeah and I think I think the best management teams and the best teams that are run are, are, are doing that kind of stuff throughout the league they might only do it for 10, 15, 20 minute spells but they're, sh- they're doing something a little bit different and they're showing even opposition something a little bit different and they're trying to say right can we do that uh, have we got the capability to do it have we got the resources to do it and are we comfortable when we do it because some players just aren't comfortable in doing it you know so it's yeah I don't know Roscommon you know it was, it was all I suppose very exuberant you know three four weeks ago yeah it's definitely dialed down a bit, but at the same time, I don't think they have lost anything. As no, well, I know. would agree. I think they're, they're yeah. absolutely delighted with the burst. Everybody's happy. We're safe. Now we can experiment a bit. And it's definitely as under the radar as you can be in a county as mad for football. Yeah. As, and of as course, Mayo, the hype train has, is abs- it's, 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 if it hasn't left, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's fairly, it's fairly hot. Deservedly you know? so? Like, or it, again, there's nothing handed out yet. Is it? Like it? They were good. They were good. Yeah. Donegal were up. Ballyfay is not easy to go to. No, know. it's not. Uh, sorry, Donegal weren't pute. D- D- Donegal put it up to them. Donegal tried. Um, I thought you know it was a strong enough Donegal team. Yeah. I thought they had most of their main men back. Um, Donegal just couldn't deal with the width and the pace, uh, and 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 again the way Mayo were changing up the game. And, and that's what Mayo have at the moment. They've runners. And do you remember before we spoke about that Mayo in the last couple of years had runners from deeper. They had runners from their full back line. They now have runners from that half forward line and midfield. Yeah. So Matty Ruan, all these guys who are coming at pace at angles. And then they have O'Shea as that get out ball. And he's just Brilliant. so good. He was. He was very, very good. He just, he looks like he's really settling into it. And he understands. His hands have always been excellent. Aidan O'Shea like, I mean, people, hands, yeah. very good you know left and right the power of a left hand hand pass you know when you're coming away from goal and person comes he cuts inside and you're just able to pop it into him like it, it's, it's, it's so underrated but it's an amazing thing to open up a defence and you know he's so physically strong he's, able, he's like you know he's like the honey trap lads are fellas are coming at him two or three players coming to him and his hands are so good he's able to release the ball so look they're in a good place Mayo um, it'll be a matter of McStay trying to keep the lid on things and trying to keep them focused but certainly uh, they're a team that are I suppose they're a bit of a tonic at the moment like they're actually playing football Yeah, yeah. Well, they're proof that even in this bad weather on these heavy pitches it's possible to uh, yeah. to make the game look good uh, Monaghan got hammered by Tyrone two red cards I think Shane was it? Yeah uh, Joe McQuillan was refereeing this one up in, uh, <laughs> in Clonus I won't say any more but no to be fair the Jack McCarran one was a, yeah, it was a, it was a, a yellow and then a black followed by a red uh, probably deservedly so tripped the throne player right in front of the referee and then it was an off the ball incident for Killian Lavelle which I don't know he seemed very harsh done by to be honest but these decisions go against you sometimes in games Tyrone like you talk about teams coming under the radar like uh, mm. I was very impressed they're by black him. baby oh well that's what Sean Cavan was saying last night essentially and like Brian Kennedy and Conky hang on Patrick. was he not saying that there was a complete shambles a couple of weeks ago <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah it's all turned around <laughs> I'll tell you what things yeah. are looking up at Tyrone he but, was like, the motivation the two lads Kennedy and Kilpatrick in midfield were brilliant yeah. uh, and ju- it's it, the kickouts worked it's no uh, I guess surprise to see Niall Morgan adopting the space from the Monaghan kickouts mm. but it worked like he was just taking an area and Monaghan didn't know where to go from the from the kickouts yeah. and look McCurry was brilliant um Canavan was brilliant in the second half yeah, as well. Really they just they really are coming good, and, and yeah. the fact that they like they're not pushing for a league final, 
they're just coming in the, coming good at the right time yeah. I think at least well we spoke point. like uh, you know I think three or four weeks ago we were kind of saying that it's in disarray and it certainly looked in disarray mm. they needed that spark and the spark came the last game and and remember I, I mentioned the spark won't just come from an individual it has to come from literally getting down the trenches and working and the, the work rate they did if you talk about McCurry watch McCurry in the game the amount of times and Canavan they chased back they covered yeah. fellas off and there was no there was none of this you know and sometimes you see in a game someone makes a break you look and you kind of go oh do I have to go okay I'll go there was just there was an instant we're getting back and like if you watch the goal that uh, the young corner back got McQueen, yeah, yeah. watch where he makes his run from the Monaghan guys see him look and kind of go someone else will take him yeah. and then there's a realisation uh oh we're not going to get to him and then there's panic and of course Canavan does a lovely little hand pass I thought Monaghan it was silly, stupid I, I didn't see the incident it couldn't get picked up yeah, on TG Carter so yeah. he seemed to be but I think Vinnie Curry was fairly adamant he was like that was stupid you know kind of get into the yeah. get into the, the, the dugout um, the, the first one was 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 silly thing to do right in front of the referee but Tyrone are coming good there's absolutely what what they've done as well with Kirkpatrick I like, I like and again we're talking about the, the nuances of management teams they're throwing him in full forward every now and again yeah exactly so so he's out around midfield and then they just they let him drift in and then they empty out so it's kind of like what we're doing with uh, McShane um, that also brought Darren Hughes who was marking Kilpatrick out of the game correct. brought him in the full yeah, back line yeah, and which he, and of course he wants to be on the full front foot and making those yeah. lumbust and runs through the middle but it's, it's, it's a smart move because obviously they got the penalty from it mm. but he's also he's great pair of hands yeah. and he's well able to kick so you know if he makes his mark he'll just stick it over the bar by the, by the way don't rule Monaghan out yet cockroaches of Division 1 they've always stayed up on the last day usually so beat Mayo hope Tyrone do them a favour beating Armagh you just never know lads yeah, well, listen, you never know listen. I mean if Tyrone could possibly relegate anybody it would yeah. be Kieran McGinney's Armagh <laughs> oh yeah like, I mean, you can imagine that's the focus absolutely <laughs> and just to mention the Armagh Jesus like they've kind of they have so much you know and it's kind of you're scratching your head kind of going oh, are they getting are they, I, I feel like it's nearly paralysis by analysis, you know. They're nearly they're nearly analysing the opposition and themselves too much, you know. And it, instead of actually just saying, "Listen, we're going to go out and play here," you know, when they were ahead, they'd Reno O'Neill in back as a sweeper in their own full back line. And I know they were playing against a, you know a breeze, and they had to. Be, but you're kind of going, Jesus, you know. It's something. It's like it's like they. They restrict themselves sometimes, you know, because they're so focused on let's just win this game by a couple of scores and let's let's stop the opposition. Geezer's teams don't really emerge until after they've been knocked out of their provincial championship. Uh, history shows us. Yeah. Certainly, as Kildare supporters, like maybe we could just just once just go for the league, please. <laughs> and it was like, Never. And then maybe we could just have a, a Leinster championship that was normal. No, we always had to get yeah. beaten by Louth or whoever. And then all of a sudden the team emerges like yeah. a butterfly from the chrysalis, yes, and it's yeah, like ah, yeah. oh, the yeah. qualifiers are here. Yeah. So I, I I'm. I think uh, Armagh could go deep into uh, uh, an Irish summer. Uh, so we'll see. Well, the good stuff. No bother, lads. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, a few quick comments for you before we go today. The Leinster Championship is in such poor state that Dublin should apply to join Munster or Connacht, says Dave Cos. Uh, Sam McGowan says uh, Colin Morrock look, looks lost. Um, uh, Rommel says Mayo don't seem to be missing Oshin Mullen or Park G Sung like many had predicted. That's uh, you. They're obviously aiming that there. Yeah. Uh, Spurs need the Brighton model. Get up and get an up and coming manager and players. It's just you don't have the time. You're not given the opportunity to do that. Um, 
Newsflash is the username. Ireland need a reset now. The Grand Slam is over. We need to get even better from now until the start of the World Cup because all of our opponents will be better by then. There's a lot of work ahead. I think I, I can't see any of the current coaching ticket or the players resting on their laurels and hopefully we've got loads more to um, to come as well. Freed from Desire was awful. Immediately thought that. Don't be telling us to wind it in, says Neil McEnany. What's wrong with Freed from Desire? It's great. Good tune, yeah. Johnny was loving it. I thought it was great. Yeah. They, they knew all the words. There was old men singing along to Free From They'd Desire. Always, I, I wonder how they picked. Sorry. Well, well, you, na, na, don't look over at me, Shane. Sorry, Apple. The place yeah, was rocking. Absolutely, it, absolutely, it was. It was It was fantastic, actually. Yeah. The of Athenry came on after it. So they, There's a lot still, of policing of celebration going on here, right? The music yeah, yeah. choices, I think, and um, people giving out about it. Can, whatever. Geronis uh, Bosch says, borderline red, yellow. Keenan looks like he's going to kick. Then Stewart in a careless move, catches him pretty causing pretty serious head contact I think it's a red it has to be red they're the rules and everybody's going to have to live with it um, and then the piped in music in the Aviva should be in the red on that down note <laughs> we're leaving our celebration of a Grand Slam what have we got to what have we got to complain about is there anything can we find anything yeah the music the music in the stadium was shit it's like, <laughs> wouldn't be really? Irish without a bit of a complaint you know? Grand Slam Monday uh, right at uh, 9.38 we're saying goodbye to you on tomorrow's show um, Adrian Barry's going to join us uh, Derek McNamara's stats looking back at the game at the weekend Ugo Manya talking to us about England Sarah Donovan on the hurling and plenty more right now we're going to leave you with some of the best from the Sunday pay-per-view have a super day OTB AM with Gillette Labs get the ultimate shave or your money back Neon Night Edition available now